0: Turn on the Jets film room. <laughs> Starring Joe blue He needs to dive at the ankles, which he does sometimes too much. Providing you comprehensive film study on the New York Jets. Howell sees that the playside gaps are clogged up. That was a really impressive play right there. That's that's like the little stuff you see on film.
1: Turn on the Jets film room is now in session.
0: And you are listening to the second edition of Turn on the Jets Film Room, which we're really excited to bring you. Uh, you can subscribe to us on Turn on the Jets on YouTube. Just type in Turn on the Jets, hit subscribe, so you get notifications when all the new shows come out. We're also available now on uh, iTunes at TOJ space film space room, as well as podbean.com. But I'm sure people are going to listen on pod, podbean.com. They'll probably listen on their podcast app, so please search us on there. We really appreciate it. Uh, we're also going to be starting up Probably some type of YouTube exclusive type deal. If you guys want to send any questions about the Jets or film or player specific questions, um, that I'll you know I'll take them in a mailbag type of deal. When I get enough questions, I'll do a little YouTube exclusive to answer some some questions from people who listen to the show. We appreciate everybody who listened last week. We really do. Uh, we are the only show, the only Jets show that breaks down film, and uh, one of the few shows that actually gives educated opinions. So if you please, please could subscribe. Rate and review. Uh, we, you know, I put a lot of work into the show. I don't just show up, do like fifteen minutes of prep for these shows. It takes hours and hours and hours and hours of watching film to break it down and then prep it for the show. Um, so if you guys could go leave a five star, four star rating, anything below that, eh. um, and and write a review. Why do you why do you like the show? What 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 do you like about the film that we break down? What do you like about uh, Scott? What do you like about me? What do you think we can improve on? And maybe we'll take it into consideration. Um, and try to fix it. So, like I said, if you can just take five minutes out of your day, if you really enjoy the show, I'd really, really appreciate it. it does help us uh, get out to many, many more Jets fans, and you know, can help us out in the future with with things, which then in turn can help you guys, um, you know, with your listening and watching ships So, but for now, I guess you know, this edition we're going to be joined by Scott Mason, our anchor. As I said last week of TOJ, we're going to be another <laughs> type of fun show. We're going to be doing a top twenty-five. Jets on the roster, and then after this week, we have like an all-star lineup of of guys. Nothing against you, Scott, uh, <laughs> honestly, you've already been here for two episodes, so we need to we need to branch out a little bit. But next week, we're going to have Mark Schofield on to break down quarterbacks. Which, if you don't haven't seen Mark's work, I don't know what's wrong with you. And then after that, we have a two-time defense or defensive player, not defensive player, you have two-time uh, pro baller and defensive rookie of the year, Eric McMillan coming on to break down film on the Jets secondary in total. And then the week after that, we have the Lions game. And then we're going to do like a bonus episode where uh, Marcus Coleman's going to come on with his ex-defensive Jets um, secondary player. And we're going to be breaking down tight ends and wide receivers the guys he was covering. So we have three guys right in a row, bang, 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 that are going to be really exciting. But for we're uh, I mean, still obviously, it's got to be, uh, you know, hosted by the anchor here. So, Scott, what's up? Man? <laughs> hey,
1: Joe, what's going on? Yeah, It's funny. I said, I know what's going to happen now. We're going to look at the, the numbers after the next couple of shows with Mark and Eric and and, and Marcus. And then we're going to look at it and say, oh, what was the common denominator with the rise in these numbers? Scott wasn't there. so.
2: <laughs>
0: no, no. it's it, we, we got solid numbers for the last one. I was really excited for our, our first episode, the numbers that we did get, especially on YouTube um but you know if you're just seeing us on youtube let's say you're going to the gym you're going to you know you're driving your car or whatever and you can't necessarily watch it and you don't feel like you know watching two hours of youtube you can obviously go to the like i said the, the podcast app toj film room um and find us there and subscribe every time a new episode comes out on on youtube or on the podcast app it's gonna pop up on your phone it's gonna give you notifications so um we look for, you know, I look forward personally to getting some of the listeners back that I had when I did Nation Radio. I also look forward to building a new type of brand with TOJ and, and attracting some people that haven't listened to the show before. So we're gonna have a ton of fun. We're gonna break down a ton of topics on the show, ton of film. Um, you're gonna be able to go and talk to friends and uncles who think they know football and all this stuff, and bring up some things from the show hopefully and uh, and squirm a little bit. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun time, but. Like I said, we're gonna do our top 25, Scott. We're gonna start from 25 and work our way up. I did this last mm-hmm. year, and I worked my way down from or from one down to 25. But I feel like at the end, people might get a little bit bored. So I feel like if we work our way up, that's yeah. better. It's better. Yep. You know, it, gives you, it gives you some. some um, oh my God. You know whatever. Winters is that whatever. You know yeah. who's gonna be above him. You know so it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. So Scott, let's start off um, with you, and let's go okay. to your 25 uh, best player. And for this, like for the rankings, it's kind of, Scott, do you want to explain what we kind of have as like the parameters of what we're kind of thinking in in the rankings?
1: Yeah. So you and I, I think we ranked it sort of similarly, but we might've looked at certain aspects a little bit differently for me. I looked at it as we're heading into 2018. And if I was drafting a team strictly for this season, so it's not, oh, I'm picking this guy and hoping he's going to be good in five years or anything like that, strictly for 2018, how would you rank these players, not just based on their past performance, but also based on what you expect to happen this year? So if you expect a guy to take a major leap, you might rank him higher than somebody who outplayed him last year or something like that, which I have a couple instances of that on my list, as you'll see. (laughs) (laughs) But I also took into account injuries. I took into account the role that I think certain guys are going to play because obviously some guys will play a bigger role this year than last year. Some will play a lesser role this year than last year. So I tried to mix and match. Also, the other thing I know that we both agreed on, no rookies. So Sam Darnold's not going to be on this list. You're not going to see anybody. No Nathan Shepard, none of that, because it's not fair to really rank anybody who hasn't even played it down in the NFL yet? And for me, and I know you and I disagree with uh, on this, but that's fine. We both have different lists. I left Teddy Bridgewater off of my list because of the injury issue. Oh, yeah. It's one thing if a guy missed a year and he's on his way back, but Teddy's a guy that hasn't taken a snap in what is it now two and a half years? So I left him off. Now that doesn't mean that it's bad that Joe may or may not have him on. But I'm kind of giving it
0: away there, Scott.
1: No, <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying because I don't know if you do or don't, but I do know that no, you no, talked about it beforehand, and you said that you were going to consider putting him on, and I said I wasn't, so I just wanted to lay that out. And so with all of that said, man, I almost didn't put this guy on the list, and he's a starter now, but I'm not convinced he will be, even midway through the season, and that's Darren Lee, the inside linebacker who is now going to be in his third season out of Ohio State. i got to be honest, Joe. He's got some really intriguing athletic skills. But beyond that, he's just such an inconsistent player who has so much bad tape. It bothers me to the point where I really did almost leave him off the list. I'm hoping that with Avery Williamson, who spoiler alert will appear on my list later on with him in there. No way. Yeah. Shocking. Right. With him in there now to kind of help out a little bit and maybe with the pass defense a little improved. Maybe Lee finds ways to make an impact in other ways. In fact, maybe they deploy him as a blitzer a little more often because of how quick he is. But, yeah, he's got some really weak football instincts sometimes. They show up on film, and to be honest, not that this factored into my decision. But I don't like the fact that he's such a big talker for a guy who's done nothing in three seasons. It yeah. just rubs me the wrong way. So yeah, What was yeah.
0: that whole Twitter thing recently? I saw oh. some people – going crazy about that a little bit
1: yeah somebody said something about certain players on the team and and ranking them or whatever and and I guess he laughed at not being included or thinking that he's better than some of these guys and he's just listen I'm, I'm so tired of this I have no problem with players talking whatsoever at all go ahead talk 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 no problem but if you're gonna talk go out there and be good play well and if you're not going to do that, then just don't talk. It's really – it gets old fast, and with him it does. But I just – I came this close to not putting him on the list, but I'm hoping – and maybe this is more wishful thinking that they'll use him a little bit better and with different personnel that he'll have a slightly better impact this year. I'm not counting on it, but I ranked him 25th, so it's not like I have huge expectations for him.
0: Yeah. Um. So for my first, I guess, surprise of the list – he's not on my list um it's like he he has I think he has potential he's only been playing a linebacker position for whatever it's been three or four years now he played cor- a quarterback in safety in in high school so he's not super experienced but some of the things I see from him on tape I, I, I can't you know truthfully put him above some my, my 25th player my 24th player my 23rd player because they've at least shown like consistent flashes where Lee last year had a couple games where he looked okay. Um, in the middle of the season but then like the last couple of games versus the chargers versus the patriots just like abysmal again so um he's just not consistent enough and he does make plays like this one on the film you know don't really break it down he um gets around the the whatever they what is it a center's the center's block and makes a really nice play athleticism some bursts here and makes a tackle on whoever the running back is on this play probably probably looks like kind of is that Kamara? no that's ingram is that ingram yeah it's, 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 it's ingram but regardless yeah, yeah nice athleticism here but it's just not consistent enough and i hear a lot of people talk right. about actually the the athleticism which i just kind of use so i'm kind of going against myself but the air quotes athleticism but his athleticism really only like ranges out to speed he has really good speed but how many times sure. is, he, is he off balance or does he fall or is he not playing with a good base or is he well, is, is he taking off his feet so That's more
1: technique than anything else, I think, as far as bad form. I think as a straight-up athlete, he's a really good athlete. But, again, just being a really good athlete isn't enough when you get to the pro level. That's what we've seen with a lot of these guys. I mean, Vernon Golston was one of the best athletes you'll ever see. 6'4", 260, could run a, you know what was it, a 4'5", 40, strong as an ox. But his technique left him to the point where he was always constantly vulnerable, and I feel like there's a lot of that with Lee.
0: Yeah, so you know, like, and I kind of agree with you there, like athlete. But like I said, when I think of athlete, like and how people use it with lay, I think they mean straight line speed. In terms of like bending a corner and making really like athletic plays, in terms of balance and all that stuff, he's not really doesn't really that impress me that much. So, oh, I you know, agree, athlete. but I think
1: there's a difference between athletic <coughs> plays and being a great athlete, and I think that's kind of what I'm saying. But I, I agree with you. I think he just he has no idea how to properly use his athleticism to make athletic plays does that make sense
0: yeah yeah that does okay so for my 25th guy um, it's a surprise it, and I kind of like really was was bouncing around of who to put here and it's a guy who is he, he signed a very little contract People are Like, what the hell really but I went back and I watched his 2016 tape because last year he didn't really play for whatever reason. I don't know if it was injuries or what it was. I didn't really look into it that much, but I looked into the 2015-2016 season, mostly uh, 2016, and I put JJ Wilcox here at, at 25. Yeah. And I'm going to stay true to the film. I'm not going to, you know, put Lee there because people like Lee more and he talks and you know fans might like him. When I watched Wilcox on film, I feel like he's a better player than than Lee. Uh, started 38 games in Dallas. Uh, last year he played in 12 games with the Steelers. Like I said, I don't know if it's injuries, not sure. But um, from just based on the on the film of of 2016, I I really like, uh, or I really liked what I saw from him. So, and he's a guy. He's a he's a hard hitter. He can play in coverage. He has good burst. He has good athleticism. Uh, he's not just an in the box safety, as you see on this play. It's a really it's a really hard hit. He comes down here in like an intermediate zone. i don't know if, I, I think it's a, it's a, a buzz or a robber type look. But he lays shots, but he's all he's I think he's better in coverage than he is in, in the run game. the run game, he takes some some poor angles and man coverage. He's a little bit hoppy at the line. He's not really great on man in man coverage. But then again, the the main game I watched him on man was uh, against Le'Veon Bell, the slot and things like that. So that's kind of cheap, but at the same time, I think he's an all-around player who's a really an enforcer type of guy, and you have a guy like that um, coming across the middle at times. He's, he's probably the hardest-hitting safety the Jets have, and people say, oh my god, Jamal Adams, Marcus May, and uh, Jamal Adams, he, he's a, an aggressive player, and uh, he hits hard sometimes, and Marcus May is also, he, I think he's actually a harder hitter, hitter than Jamal Adams, but Wilcox is, is the biggest enforcer on this on this uh, Jets secondary, minus you know maybe Rontez Miles if he makes the team. But I like J.J. Ch- J. Wilcox. I like the signing. I think he's a versatile all-around uh, backup safety the Jets have, and I think he's going to show up this year and people are going to start to recognize him more after 2018.
1: I like Wilcox, too. I think he's a good depth signing. I think once Miles comes back from his injury, the two of those guys could be very interesting safety depth especially with Marcus May banged up at the moment. You never know how that pans out. He didn't make my list, but he came close. So you and I were kind of on the same page. He came very close to making my list, but I ended up leaving him off at the end. One other guy, by the way, that I almost left off my list, and it's no secret how little I think of him, but I ended up putting him at number 24, and I don't know if he's on your list or if he is where he is, but Buster Screen. I think he's terrible in coverage, although he can get (laughs) hot at times. But the thing for me and the reason that I did end up including him at the back end of my list is because he is a very good tackler and he's an efficient blitzer for a guy at the cornerback position. And I think that now with better defensive backs back there with Adams and May with an extra year of experience, hopefully Claiborne being healthy, but the key addition, of course, being Tremaine Johnson. I think they have the freedom to maybe use screen as a blitzer more. And I think his impact will probably be a little bit more positive than it was last year. Because I know he had a stretch of games last year where he played reasonably well. But overall, he got cooked a lot. I think if they can use him more efficiently to play to his strengths, the tackling, the blitzing, that kind of stuff, and they don't have to rely on him as much in coverage, which is what I'm hoping – I think that he can earn the 24th spot on this list.
0: Yeah, and the thing about like, him is, like, yeah, he's, and this is something that kind of goes unnoticed with, with slot cornerbacks. and People just think, okay, yeah, they have to be small, they have to be shifty, they have to be able to flip their hips um, and move really fluently. But slot corners are also really close to the, the box, and a lot of runs go out there. Slot corners have to be able to tackle um, and that's a thing where a lot, a lot of people are kind of just, oh, Perry Nickerson, really excited because, you know, pro football focused put this number on him and that number on him. You also have to, to account for those numbers, that completion percentage, whatever the, frick the numbers are that people really like to, to look at and gloat over. Um, he's playing at Tulane, so he's not playing top competition. And I watched him. I was from what I heard of him, I thought I was going to be more impressed. Um, that's just my honest opinion of him. So I think Buster Screen holds down that job this year. I do not think that Perry Neckerson is going to be ready for it. Maybe if he grows into that role in the second year, because um, as with you, Scott, I also, I also put Screen as my, as my number uh, 24 guy. Oh, and wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, t- yeah, exactly. So t- he's 29 years old. He's last year of his deal. So I think he's going to play out this year. they will see if Perry Neckerson steps up, but I don't think Perry is the player to just, okay, uh, he's going to come in and, and play right away. He just, he's, he's, He's not. Um, he's pretty raw at this point, and we'll get into a lot of that when obviously me and Eric McMillan do a show. But he is raw. He's opens his hips too soon. He's 175 pounds. He's not. A, he's a, he's a, he's a willing tackler. He's just not. Um, he's not big enough or strong enough to really take on a wide receiver, even if it's a slot receiver. A guy like Julian Edelman or an Amendola, whoever these you know you think of these little slot type receivers. You know Edelman's more than that. Um, they're going to wash him out. He's not even going to have it shot. So we, I saw it at lane against Division II in smaller schools. Uh, I don't know he's going to ha- uh, hang up in the NFL, especially in press coverage um, when receivers are trying to stack him or they're using their body to get off at the top of the route. I, I don't know. Um, so we'll see with him. Just don't automatically assume that Perry Nickerson's going to slot in there because I, I, don't, I don't think he is. As you see in this play, the last play was a cover three. You see the really good you know, burst from, from Buster Screen, really good acceleration. And here, uh, Mike Williams, who was – what is his size? I don't know. He's pretty big. I know he's pretty big coming out of Clemson. I mean, yeah, Buster I think he was much, like
1: six foot five or something like this.
0: Yeah, he's, he's much bigger than Screen, and Screen lays him out here. And actually, I think he actually heard him on this play. Uh, Screen is, I, like I said last week, I believe I said it last week, I think he's the pound-for-pound, pound, the strongest guy in the Jets. And, and he makes a difference in, in the run game. Um, so he's, he's below average, but there are games and there were games last year. You have to be fair. Uh, I would say four or five, six games where he actually played pretty damn well. So hopefully, um, with, you know, guys like, uh, Tremaine Johnson coming in and uh, the safeties in their second year, he gets a little bit more help. Now the problem with his game that I noticed, I, I did watch the film, a lot of it last week is he opens up his hips way too much and relies on athleticism, which at just athleticism, the NFL is not going to get you far. So his technique, especially at the line and opening the hips and not challenging receivers' route stems is really struggling. Um, but his athleticism is nice, obviously, like I said, the, the, uh, the strength and all that stuff. So he's my 24th uh, player too. Uh, hopefully he plays well this year and then maybe the Jets re-sign him because you could do worse than screening the slot there are worse players, um, but he's still, he's, he's, he showed that he's okay at times, but still 24th isn't, isn't uh, anything to gloat no. about. But let's go to 23, Scott.
1: It is not an endorsement.
0: So at 23, this is another guy
1: that, like Lee, he's, in my eyes, a little bit underperformed, although he was a late round draft pick. I believe he was picked in the fifth round. So I can't get too crazy about it. So far, he hasn't shown a lot. He's uh-huh. kind of been. Below average, but I'm hoping that with the addition of Spencer Long, who's spoiler alert, will appear on this list later on, and with a healthier rest of the offensive line and Wesley Johnson gone, maybe it'll elevate him a little bit. I'm hoping that, again, this being his second year of being a full-time starter. Of course, we're talking about Brandon Shell here. Uh, I I also with
0: have Brandon Shell at 23. That's that's good. Oh, stuff.
1: how about that? <laughs> He's another one I struggled with, like Darren Lee. Yeah. I don't think a lot of them yet, but I think that there's at least the possibility based on his traits and the fact that he looked okay at times in past blocking situations last year. I think he has a chance to earn this ranking and maybe become a decent tackle, a decent tackle maybe, but I couldn't go any higher than this. Uh, it's funny that we see it the exact same way at number 23 because That's all I could do. He barely cracked my list based on what he's done. And I really kind of had to contort myself to have any expectations. But I think the best expectation for him, Joe, and I think you probably agree, if he can become at least not an embarrassing run blocker and a solid pass blocker, I think that's the best you could hope for from him. And again, having been a fifth-round draft pick, if that's what it, where it ends, then that's okay. But he's got some stuff to prove this year because I didn't like a lot of what I saw in 2017.
0: Yeah. And I'll just read like some of my, some of my notes on him. Cause like, I, you know, I do those, those player reviews and I've done like 50 at this point watching people. So I forget some of stuff, but you know, good length. I think he sets up his, wangle, uh, his, ang- his, wangles. his angle, his angles, his angles, well in the run <laughs> game. I think he's an accurate punch, decent kick slide. Um, he resets his hands quickly on count, you know, for his counter punch. He flashes quick hips at times, which – and like I said, I'll, we'll get more into this when I do the actual show. But on this play, too, he's on, he's on the right, and they're running a, a stunt here. It's a it's a TE stunt. Yeah, it's a, it's a, this is a TE stunt. And um, he might carry this D the end a little bit too far inside. I like to see him pass it off a little bit sooner. Um, but you see something that's like athleticism. This is the athleticism that sh- that Shell shows. And this is athletic play. Uh, to flip his, his hips and get in position to block number 99 here. Um, just just before he gets the petty, which is which is enough. He didn't hit petty, so that's that's enough. So that's the quick hips, quick feet that people talk about in the in the pass game. The athleticism, um, it shows right there. But at the same time, uh, with in terms of the run game, you know, bad base, his anchor is not consistent. He's not a very strong player. His leverage, uh, he panics with speed rushers. Uh, he opens his hips too really in pass protection a lot. Doesn't drive his feet in the run game. So he's okay, but like that. The talk, and I know we agree on this, Scott. The talk of Brandon Shell, the right tackle of the future. I, no. I, I don't know. I don't agree with it. Um, no. It's just he hasn't he hasn't proven enough, and especially in the, like I said, he's like a poor man's Kelvin Beachum at this point, where he he flashes yeah. in the pass game. I think he's more athletic than Beachum, yeah. but like in the in the run game, he just he never sets a strong edge. He's not really driving his feet. Look how narrow his base is. I talk about narrow base playing. Look how high he is too. You're never going to beat a, a defensive end or even an outside linebacker. At sometimes you're going into a block one, you're hugging him. You're not even getting into his chest plate. So that's not good. You're you have a narrow base and you're standing straight up and people are just easily able to set an edge against him and make plays on the running backs. Um, nice little burst from Elijah McGuire to get around there, by the way, but um, yeah, he's not strong in the run game and the past game he's, he's okay. So this whole right tackle, the future thing, eh, you know, I'm not, I'm not really too sure, but Let's move on to uh, 22.
1: (laughs) I I agree, and I think he's got a lot to prove. I think it's possible he becomes a decent tackle, but we're going to have to see him make some strides forward this year. Another guy that I think is going to have to make some strides forward, he has some potential, and the Jets picked him up for a seventh-round pick in the draft this year, is Henry Anderson, and that's who Hmm. I've got at number 22. I think Anderson is a guy who's very, very strong, the, def- the defensive coaches clearly see something in him if they went out and acquired him for a draft pick, even if it was a seventh-round pick. I, I'm kind of with you. I don't know how well he fits in a 3-4, but I do like what I've heard out of camp uh, that he seems to be kind of taking to the coaching staff, which is good, and he showed flashes with the Colts. The problem with him is he just couldn't stay healthy at all, and that'll be an issue. Uh, he might have been slightly higher on my list if I didn't have injury concerns, but I think Anderson could certainly be one of the top 25 players coming into 2018. I think if he stays healthy, odds are he will earn that mark.
0: Yeah, um, he's, he's not here on my list, but and this is just a good play of him. This is what I talk about um, in the film reviews of him, the fact that he's 6'6", and he get, he's getting lower than this left tackle who's actually getting pretty low as well. He's probably betting a little bit too much at the waist there, the, the left tackle. But regardless, he gets lower than him. Uh, uses his length to to you know uh, stab him and stack him, and then he disengages really really easily. The, the The left tackle really doesn't have any shot here, and then he shows another good thing about him, and I think a, like a a trend on the Jets defense is that they have players who really are going to try hard and give a lot of effort. And you see that the effort on this play, where a lot of guys, oh you know, the running back past me. I'm just going to kind of lollygag, and he's going full sprint, and he gets in on the tackle on on Ivory. So I like to see that from. I'm um, from him there, but he's he's not on you know, at this point on my list. My so this is the twenty second player. My twenty second player is is Terrell Pryor. Um Okay. I watched his film the other day, uh, like I said, preparing for that show with uh Marcus Coleman, NFL player, breaking down a film. What's gonna be better than that? It's gonna be really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, that show with him. He now 29 years old, last year only had 20 receptions for 240 yards, one touchdown. He battled injuries, but with the Browns, 77 receptions, 1,007 yards, four touchdowns. Now, I watched both the, I watched a game or two of the 2016 year year with the Browns, and I watched uh, some games with the Redskins as well. And I really don't, like, minus some, maybe a little bit of injury problems, I don't really think there was too too many big differences in his game. I think the fact, that the Redskins had a little bit more talent on offense with guys like Reed and, and Crowder and Thompson. I think he was targeted less with the, I I would be curious to see the the targets that he got with, uh, with the Browns. I think with the Browns, he just, he just got uh, targeted more and he doesn't really show like, yeah, he has height and weight, but his hands aren't, aren't that good. He doesn't run clean routes really um, at all. I, I was not, I was not impressed when I was, when I was watching him. So, um, he's he's my number – I'm going to try to find some film on him here. But he was he's my number, you know, 22. So what are your thoughts on him? I know you said you didn't put him on your list. Yeah, no, he's not
1: on my list. I thought about it. But he, like you said, Joe, he's a height, weight, speed guy. And here's my problem with Pryor. He had a nice stretch in Cleveland for, what, eight to ten games. But he was getting targeted a lot. And I think a lot of these guys didn't really know how to cover him. I mean, I think with Jets fans, what sticks out to them is the Darrell Revis thing, where he just cooked Darrell Revis all afternoon when the Jets played the Browns that year. Yeah. But if you look at what he did in uh, in other times, you know, he, he would flash and make a big play or two and then kind of be quiet the rest of the way he was a pain in the butt to the point where his teammates all hated his guts in Cleveland. And in fact, many of them went on the record. It wasn't even like, Oh, this guy told me privately, like they would go on the record and say how much they didn't like him. I lived in the DC area last year and he wasn't good, even when he was healthy to the point where he, he couldn't get on the field. He caused problems again to the point where he had to apologize to the locker room. And I'll be honest, man, he's banged up again now from everything I hear. They're hoping he's going to be healthy, but I just don't have any hopes for him. And I'm not a hundred percent certain he's making this team. The wide receiver core is the deepest unit they have. Now again, I'm not sitting here saying that it's the greatest wide receiver core in the league or anything like that, but they have a deep core of good receivers and I'm not a hundred percent convinced that he's going to make this team, especially if Chad Hansen takes a step forward this year, which I think he probably will. And so I yeah, just – I didn't put him on the list.
0: And, Scott, not even, not even Hansen, because I think Hansen might, might out-rep, him, out-rep him this year. But how much do guys like our, uh, Andre Roberts and our Darius Stewart show? Do you really want to cut sure. our Darius Stewart, who might have some you know yak ability – um, for a guy like Pryor, who's 29 years old. And for, I, you know, I, I told you before, I had to drag and drop all the files from my hard drive into my computer, and apparently I didn't do it for Pryor, so I missed him. Um, but I do have film on him. And for like my notes, for what I put when I'm watching his game, I'm going to watch him more. The only strengths I have listed is side speed and some yak ability. Um, yeah. For weakness, he comes into his routes high. He doesn't sell his drive phase. He doesn't drop his hips when breaking out of his routes. Doesn't attack defensive backs leverage. Doesn't attack the ball. Runs lazy routes. Uh, lazy and run blocking, no explosion out of route breaks, rarely changes his release up, doesn't stack the wide receivers um, when trying to get deep. He doesn't take advantage of his size. He doesn't eat up cushion. He doesn't get physical in routes. Like There's a bunch of yeah. things I listed, and that's I don't just see it once and list it. I, I have to see that multiple times to list it. So right. he has a lot of weaknesses and only a couple of strengths, and that's basically his, his athletic ability, which doesn't get you far in the NFL. So that's why he's my 20- uh, mm-hmm. second, if you have him in your top five, he's the best receiver on this team. You do not watch film as sorry to the person no. who you know I'm talking about, but come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just, there's no. no, there's no way. There's no way you could even say he's better than Jermaine curse at this point.
1: No, I, Oh, I couldn't agree more. <clears throat> I ha- he's a height, weight, speed guy. He has no technique. He doesn't really understand how to play the wide receiver position. And he had a nice stretch where because of his height and his weight and his speed, he was able to make some plays and, Again, because Jet fans watched him cook Darrell Revis, I think that left an impression in their heads. But really, other than some big plays here and there, prior, to me, is a mirage at this point. And I haven't seen enough proof that he's a quality receiver. And like I said, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he doesn't yeah. make this team. They don't have anything invested in him, and he's hurt again. So, plus, again, you know, like I said, causing problems in Cleveland causing problems with the Redskins they've got a culture that they're trying to build here with the Jets yeah so if he doesn't perform there's no reason for him to to stay and again the wide receiver group being as deep as it is I just I couldn't put him on the list now if he does well and reverts back to what he did in Cleveland as far as production-wise at least again you know like you said Cleveland he's still a lot of weaknesses but if he finds a way to get a thousand yards whatever. i'm gonna eat plenty of crow but i'm fine with it it is what it is i will actually on,
0: if wrong. he gets a thousand yards in this team i'll actually eat a a actual like bird crow so <laughs> it's not happening it's just well, he, there's uh, no way he breaks the lineup over over the three guys to have you know maybe hansen but he, he just does not have any really like technique you need a lot of technique no. in route running like just like little things like okay before you're breaking inside you want to maybe drag that that back foot, or even if you're not dragging it, turn it inside so you can flip your hips easier to explode out of the route. He doesn't do that stuff. And he runs lazy routes at times so when he knows he's not going to be targeted. So it is what it is. Like I said, I'll bring up the yep. more film. Uh, moving on to 21, who is your 21st player? So here's a
1: guy that was a little bit under the radar, but I, strangely enough, I thought he was probably the best edge rusher the team had last year, and that's David Bass. I don't think he's a great player by any stretch, but here's a guy that I think with the right – mixture of schemes and help in the secondary if he's deployed properly he's look i don't think anybody on this team is getting 10 sacks but it's possible he's the best bet to do it of anybody on this team just simply based what a on sad his, state we're in right yeah it really is in, <laughs> in fact i was talking to somebody about this and they said oh jamal adams might be their best weapon on the edge and i'm like look i guess you can make that case but if even if you say that's true how sad is that But I think Bass flew under the radar, but played pretty well last year. He was a waiver-wire pickup, I think, at some point in the season. And he produced fairly well when he was in there. He got a couple of sacks and some pressures. And I think he can do that again. And honestly, this is where I think Tremaine Johnson really helps a lot because if Tremaine Johnson can help in the passing game, I guess you would say open up possibilities for them to deploy blitzers because they don't have to worry about constantly – having guys back in coverage because now they actually have confident corners. I think Bass will be free a little bit more to blitz. And I like, look, I don't think he's going to get double digit sacks, but could I see a season where he gets five, six, seven sacks? Sure. Why not?
0: Yeah, he's on my list, but I, I agree. He might be the best pass rusher on this team, which is pretty crazy. Um, <laughs> and here he's on the right side of the screen. Uh, and he does, he does flash some ability. This is the first play I brought up. So I didn't have anything prep, but a little stab inside gets number seventy. I think is that Juwan James. I think he's seventy on the team. Yes. Yeah, he gets him to prepare for so. the for the inside rush. You know, rushing through the through the B gap, um, sort of freezes his hips a little bit and makes makes Juwan James have to you know reach out far for for Bass's chest, and Bass takes advantage of it and uh, double swipes him and almost gets the quarterback. He doesn't. He gets the ball off, but as a, a nice pass rush snap, um, just like that little stuff. You know, stabbing inside to get the. Uh, the the right tackle to to you know set in the wrong place and then use his length and he does have good length i think he 's a good athlete i think he 's pretty fluid uh rusher. Yeah. i think he has long arms so uh I, w- I would be curious to see what he does in in more snaps this so year he didn 't make my my list but um that 's not saying i don 't have some some uh i guess like hope from for him but my twenty second player or this is a, yeah the twenty second player twenty first twenty first player um i have i have henry anderson um and this is like one of those things where you see, you know, pro football focus, and they say this and that about him. And what are you talking about? Um, I don't know necessarily who breaks down their film either, but they have guys who break down their film, and I'm going to disagree with them um, at times. And he he was one. He's he was injured uh, a decent amount. He had that weird yeah. injury last year. He had knee problems in in college, so. He's impressive at times, but I still just like there's certain things about him that really just don't in, in impress me. He's not like an elite athlete, like you said before. But like I said last week, he um, I'm not really sure he's a fit for a three-four defense because I don't think he has the strength to really anchor down versus combo blocks and double teams and things like that, uh, which is what you're going to have to do in a three-four to free up the linebackers. You know, he has good length. He uses length to get a disengage. He keeps the blockers off his chest. He has a good uh, club and, and swim move, but like I said, he's not explosive, slow feet, tight, weak anchor, really like skinny legs that don't allow him to anchor. Uh, his base is too wide in his stance at times too. He doesn't have a great get off. He doesn't really bring the punch to the defensive or to the offensive lineman. He, he's kind of more of like a counter puncher. And I don't think he has the speed or the uh, strength to really be a counter puncher. He has to win with technique if he's going to win at all. So um, he's like a, eh, type of player. I don't really see him doing much. I don't really see him being here for long. Now, I could be wrong, um, but I don't really see where pro football focus got, whatever grade they got for him or everybody's hyping him up so much. I think just he's a, uh, I don't know why I brought up that play, but um, yeah, he's, he's my 21st, so.
1: I think he's a guy that if used properly could be a nice uh, doing the dirty work type of guy, if that makes sense. I don't expect a lot of flashy stats from him, but I think he could be a, a pretty solid, defensive lineman which is exactly what i think of the guy that's on my list at number 20 and i'm guessing he's on your list but i'm not 100 percent sure <laughs> mike pinnell i like pinnell i think that you got
0: him was- too low
1: <laughs> well here's <laughs> why let me tell you why i have him low or low by your uh estimation my <laughs> problem with, with pinnell is not necessarily pin- with pinnell himself it's that okay, there's Henry Anderson, there's Leonard Williams, they drafted Nathan Shepard, there's Foley Fodakazi. I wonder how much opportunity he's going to get as far as the rotation. And that was the only reason that I dropped him a little bit. But just based on performance, he didn't play a lot early on. And then he started to get his opportunities. I mean, we remember that one game where I think he got flagged like six times in one game. But he's a really solid defensive lineman. There's nothing he does incredibly well, but there's also nothing that he's really, really bad at. He can do a little bit of everything. And I think he could be mm-hmm. a very solid piece for this defense and the defensive line. Again, the only reason that he's at number 20 instead of higher on this list is because that defensive line is kind of clogged. Not with any, Look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that They have a 1,000 all pros on this defensive line. But I think that when I factored in expectations for 2018, which is part of what went into this list, I just wasn't 100% sure how much Mike Pinnell was going to be in there. But I did rank him ahead, obviously, of Henry Anderson, because I think that uh, other than the obvious guys that we'll get to later, and Joe, you know who I'm talking about, and if you don't know who I'm talking about, go pull up the – Jets roster. I'm not going to spoil it for you. You can figure it out. But I think other than those guys, Pinnell has a chance to be a very solid contributor. Strong, pretty solid athlete, good in the run game. Not an amazing pass rusher or anything, but you yeah. can get some heat on the QB from time to time. And so I, I think he could be a, a solid player and I have him at number 20.
0: Yeah, I'll talk about Pinnell when I talk about where he deserves to be on this list, which is farther up. So I'll touch on that in a little bit, Scott. Um, <laughs> just going, and I just wanted to show this really quick about like Henry, Henry Anderson. I'll go to my next player, but uh, here he is the the four tech, and I'm not really going to break it down like too too much. But he's getting he's it's a counter run, and he he's getting blocked out of the play by a tight end. It, you know, it's just and and you're going to be able to anchor down versus you know a tray block or whatever it may be. In um, a three-four, when you have to really, you know, anchor down, like I said, free up those linebackers. It's just, and his foot frees a lot on contact. Like I said, look at the base is way too wide. One, um, and he, his foot, as like I said, he doesn't bring the punch to the offensive or This, this case, a tight end, and he just freezes up. Um, so he's just, eh, I'm, I'm very, I'm very not, I'm not too high on him to be honest. It's, it's just an okay sign, but like, a, or not a signing, sorry. Okay, trade. I think it's a good trade for a seventh, but. I just don't think he's gonna be much more than a, you know, a rotational type guy. Maybe like, a, yeah, you know, maybe a little bit better, like a ledger doosable type of uh, player. You're not yeah. the same player, but yeah. I'm just saying like the impact that they have. But first um, round pick, that's not a bad gamble. No, no, it's not, and especially when you have uncertainty with the guys coming in, because you know, no matter how much you like um, Shepard and and you know Fatokasi, you don't really know what they're going to be. And and Fado sure. I think, more is more of like a three tech interior. Run stuffing type guy, where I think Shepard could play five. Um, but it's, and I'll, I'll touch on Pennell in a little bit, how they're all different. But uh, like I said, I think Shepard's the, the the five tech. Fado Kasi is more like the three tech. Um, he's a little bit bigger. Uh, he's not as athletic, but he's a little bit more powerful than Shepard is. But we're not sure. we're not ranking them. But for my twentieth guy, um, I believe that yeah, that's where we are. We're at. Yep. I I have uh, Josh McCown. Um uh, okay. So did did you put him in your list at all or no?
1: He is yes he's I have him a little bit higher than you.
0: Okay yeah it's just my expectations like listen last year. Yeah, he was good. And I got an hour actually an argument with Fahey last year when I ranked McCown at like whatever I did. And he's like, oh, my God, he's not even a good backup. I'm like, dude, he's a great backup. Trust me. And, oh, uh, he, yeah. Well, there's a reason he,
1: he's been in the league this long. You don't last dude, this long in the league if you're not a good backup.
0: He's 39 years old, so he dropped a little bit because of his age. And he'd probably bounce back or, or drop back down to earth a little bit if he does play this year. But 67.3 completion percentage is impressive. Almost 3,000 yards, 18 touchdowns, 9, or nine interceptions it's a pretty, it's a it's a decent year. So we had a decent year at the Jets. I'm just expecting him to drop back down a little bit. But at the same time, maybe not. The Jets have more weapons. Maybe the offensive line will be a little bit better. Uh, maybe they'll have a little bit of a semblance of a running game, which they didn't have last year. So he is my, um, my, my, my 20th player. And we talked about it a lot last week. I'll talk about it a lot with, with Schofield. He recognizes coverages pre-snap, post-snap. He struggles a little bit, but like, even on this play, it's nothing big, but the snap is a little bit low. He doesn't really look it in, which he should look it in. Um, but he knows a slant is on the, um, on the boundary side here. And he you know, drops the ball, hitches really quickly towards the slant. Gets, he has good uh, mechanics there, at least as good as mechanics you can have when, in that situation. And he hits the slant. It's a little bit low, but he's still splitting uh, two defenders uh, who are relatively close. And they didn't get the first down here. They're a little bit short. Um, but still, it's like a nice veteran play like to see he knows where his guys are going to be and gets rid of the ball, doesn't panic. So I, I like th- to see that. And he is my, you know, that's why he's my 20th player. So
1: yeah, no, I, I agree with a lot of that analysis and I'll reveal where he is on my list in a little bit, but that's a, dun, dun, me, dun. Dun,
0: dun,
1: dun. <laughs> but I think that to me is a very good description of what Josh McCown is. And it's the reason why if he's your starter, it's not the greatest thing in the world, but if he's no. your backup, you're in good hands. Because he's a guy that if you need him to start a handful of games, he's ideal for that. Uh, If you need him to start an entire season, well, you know, you're going to get what you're going to get. But that's why he's lasted in the league so long. And I think being a good backup quarterback and spot starter is something that's very undervalued by the casual fan. I don't think it's undervalued by teams at all. I think they realize how important it is. But I think it's very undervalued by the casual fan because – remember, and I'm going to make an old man reference here. I remember the Jets for years had Pat Ryan as their backup and he was such a reliable hand. And you can talk to Eric about this when you have him on a little bit, maybe not during the show, cause it won't have anything to do with the D backs, but you can talk to him <laughs> off the air. But Pat was a super reliable guy to have there because if Ken O'Brien or Richard Todd got hurt or they were struggling, whatever, you could go to Pat and Pat wasn't going to win you games, but he wasn't going to lose them for you either. And that's kind of the way that I feel about Josh McCown. But one guy that McCown threw to a little bit last year, but kind of sparingly, and I expect much bigger things from him this year. I think I'm higher on him than some people are, is Chad Hansen. I have him at number 19. And again, based on past performance, that may seem a little high, but this is more based on mm-hmm. what I expect from him this season. I mentioned before, I think he's going to leapfrog Terrell Pryor on the depth chart. And I wouldn't be 100% surprised if he leapfrogs Curse at some point, too. In fact, uh, I have been on pretty good authority that there are other people close to the situation who wouldn't be shocked if that were to happen either. Hanson's looked really good in camp from everything I heard. I loved his film at Cal, and I don't know if you had a chance to really look at it.
0: (laughs) Hold on. Pump the brakes. There you go. There it is. (laughs) Don't (laughs) question it, Scott. Come on, man.
1: I should have known. But look what he does there. You see that? I love – how he pinpoints the ball and look how he knows exactly where he is so that he can get himself in balance. Yeah. That perception. body control is I love, crazy. Absolutely yeah. We love that body control. I love his awareness of the field. I love his hands. He's got great hands. He's a big, strong dude too. Look, he's still developing his route running. Isn't great. Uh, his speed is good for a guy's size, but he's not. Yeah. You know, Tell Pryor prior Robbie Anderson in the speed department. But I think he can become a really nice receiver, and I think this year is the year that he'll get opportunities and he'll make the most of them. And depending, yeah, look at that right there. He
0: didn't get us in bounds, but that's just the, but still, the the perfect example of yeah. of body control, high pointing yep. the ball. That's a good freaking yep. vertical. Absolutely, um, he got really close there, but I don't believe he got that in. But. He has to work on on some of his route running. The thing I do like sure. about his route running is that drive phase, that first five to seven yards, he really, really sells it. He's going deep a lot, um, but he, he does struggle a little bit with like getting off of uh, of bigger uh, defensive backs who are really gonna to press him. But he didn't, also didn't run a big route tree. He's a little bit high off the line and into his breaks. A little bit of dead time where I want to see him flip his hips quicker at the top of sure. his routes. But in terms of of the strengths, like I said, the drive off the line, contested catches, body control, attacks the ball in the air, sideline awareness. You just saw that twice. Tracks the ball well, good hands, yak, uh, solid speed. I'm going to try to bring up another play. Uh, uh, I'm going to make a here,
1: comparison so. in some ways. If, uh, if Wayne Corbett,
0: Eric Decker, no, Julian Edelman, no. uh, any white receiver. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was going to say it has nothing to do with the fact that he's white, obviously. But I was going to say, if everything goes right, and the reason I was going to use Decker was because he was a Jet recently, and I wanted people that are relatively new Jet fans to have a base of comparison for somebody that I think he could be similar to. But I I do think that. I think if everything goes well, Decker could be his ceiling. And let's remember, Eric Decker was a really good receiver. Uh, Beyond the 2015 – see the thing – here's the thing about Decker too – A lot of people thought when he came over to the Jets, oh, he's just a product of that Denver system once he's away from Peyton Manning. Product
0: of Peyton Manning.
1: Yeah, oh, he's just a product of Peyton Manning. Well, he came here, he had almost 1,000 yards with Geno Smith the first year he was here, right? And then the next year, he had a monster season. So he had two really good years for the New York Jets. I'm not saying Hanson gets to that level, but, and again, this has nothing to do with the fact that obviously we all joke about it, the white receiver comparison the only reason I did it is because I think that I wanted Jet fans to have a, a base of comparison for somebody that they would remember that was in a recent
0: state. May, of I try, maybe may, I think you're talking about more of impact than actual play. Um, but no, like, no,
1: no, right, right, right. No, I don't mean stylistically. I mean, that yeah. he could yeah put because up those kind of numbers in an ideal world that that's his absolute ceiling. No, I don't. I, I'm not saying that they're. Yeah, because Decker's
0: row running was absurd. Uh, yeah, he,
1: much, much, much better. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um
0: but yeah. So, so Hansen's not on my list, and the reason he's not on my list is just because of like what we said before. Like he he has to prove it. I've liked the cal tape. Um, kind of insulted that you questioned if I watched it or not when I told you I broke him down. Uh, <laughs> hey, it is. No, it, I, I it is what watched, it is. I just didn't know if you had it with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I only didn't have the prior film because I didn't freaking drag and drop it into the files because I don't have as many lightning ports on my computer as I want. But that's sorry for a different day. But like, I liked what he did last year from the little bit he played. I liked what he did at Cal. Um, but I think there's a lot of hype because of those media reports. He still has to prove it to me. That that's sure. what it is. I sure. do. I think he is a top twenty-five uh, five player going into this year. Like, is he going to be on the list next year? I I really do. Um, but I'm not just going to rely on beat reporters because who's that receiver? who's got Was that Clyde Gates who's got hyped up all the time? Um, not David Clowney. Uh, David Clowney, whoever it may yeah. be. Um, yeah, I, I need to see it for myself. I need to see it on the field. Sure. Even though I do think he's a much better player than those guys, I, I still need to see it. He's kind of like almost like a rookie. He's obviously not a rookie, but he's kind of like a rookie. I'm talking about sure. limited snaps, things like that. Um, and, so and again, my...
1: this, was, this was me <laughs> taking a, a leap of faith, Joe, because, again, the whole idea is what we expect. So my leap of faith here is that he's going to take a big step forward in 2018. Whereas you went on the, the um, premise of let's see him prove it to me. And that's fine. And that's the beauty of lists like this is that everybody's got different things that they factor in or different reasons that they rank certain players in the spots that they do.
0: We, so now we're at 19, right? Yep. Um, was that your 19th, Chad Hanson? right?
2: Chad so Hanson's 19, yeah.
0: My – my not uh, my yeah, nineteenth is actually it's, it's James Carpenter. Okay. Um, I might have l- listed him a little bit lower just based off last year, but just of what he's done, what he's done in the past with the Jets, some of the flashes that we saw, I put him a little bit higher than maybe I should have. But, um, he's just not like in, in pass protection. I think he he plays at a pretty good base. He has strong hands. He he doesn't get bull rushed. If he gets his hands on you, in the second level, if he gets his hands on you properly in the second level. He can drive drive you far but I, his hand placement his athleticism his lateral ability when fighting off defender like if if the defender is you know engaged with him and he doesn't have good hand placement he's not really going to be able to shuffle with you and uh keep you from beating him laterally also in the second level like like here um which this is just a a lead zone uh lead zone because they're leaving that even though it's a it's a, it's a safety so like Usually, if it's a, if it's a safety who is like overhanging here, and they leave him unblocked uh, on a zone play, it's a boss zone. But because he's playing a linebacker, I'll, I'll just call it a lead zone. So they're specifically going to leave him um, unblocked for for Thomas to uh, to come in here and block. And Thomas, I'll talk about him a little bit, but that he, he's bending at the waist there, which I don't necessarily love, and he doesn't really finish his blocks. But um, Carpenter tends to struggle with guys on like on uh, you know lateral movement. And it's because of that hug. It's not. It's not really a great example here because he uh, he does block him, but it's just you know example. He, he he hugs in the run game. I don't really like. He doesn't have good hand placement, but sure. um, he's he's a decent player. Uh, I'm I'm kind of going to give him like a little bit of a, a nod up because uh, maybe he'll bounce back. But I just don't think he's going to be a fit uh, for an outside zone running scheme that Rick uh, Dennison is going to bring because inside zone you have to move a lot. Outside zone you have to move even more and have even more lateral ability. So eh. But, you know, he's in my 19th, so.
1: That's funny you say that, Joe, because I have him at 18. So, perfect transition there. I had him one spot higher. Based on last year, I wouldn't have had him on the list. The reason I did is because he had two solid years for the Jets before, like you said. Yeah. And I'm hoping that he can – or I should say I'm hopeful that he can bounce back. I think Dennison is going to be smart enough to try and figure out ways to better use him than what happened last year where he was just absolutely terrible in this schemes that under, um, uh, under John Morton. I think that Carpenter is a weird case because he doesn't make a lot of money, but he also wasn't great last year, but he was good enough the previous two years that you don't really want to cut him because then you have to replace him. And, so this is going to be a big year for him because I think even though he doesn't make a ton of money, he won't be back if he doesn't produce this season. And like you said, there's stuff to like about him. When he's in the right scheme, he can use his strength, but his movement is not great. Uh, there are people that want to pin it on Wesley Johnson, but Joe, you've showed the film a million times. There what does this play have plays. to do
0: with Wesley Johnson? Well, that,
1: that's exactly <laughs> what I was about to say. There are tons of plays that have absolutely nothing to do with Wesley Johnson. I feel like Wesley Johnson kind of became – the Escape boogeyman door. here, yeah, yeah, he was the guy. Look, he was awful. He was the worst center in the league. I'm not debating that. I'm sure to an extent he had an effect on these guys' play, but he became the all-encompassing excuse for people that wanted to make excuses for the other members of the offensive line being bad. It was well, I mean, what do you expect? He had Wesley Johnson at center, <coughs> yeah. and you know, at a certain point, it's not just Wesley Johnson's fault. So, yes, Carpenter was terrible last year, but I'm going based on the previous two years, and the fact that I think that Denison will be smart enough to figure out ways to more creatively use Carpenter in his scheme, whether that means mixing up the different schemes and plays, we'll see. But I I think he has a chance to, at the very least, earn the 18th spot on this list.
0: Yeah, it's a possibility, but an outside zone is an outside zone. There's really not much you could do with an outside zone. So maybe they run more gap or man-type schemes uh, just to –
1: that's what I meant is that he might mix it up a little. But bit,
0: then again, right? but my problem with Dennison is, and a lot of things I heard from bills fans is that the bills were really successful in 2007, uh, 16. And then he basically just abandoned all that for his outside zone scheme that he didn't want to change. So I don't really know mm-hmm. if he's going to do that, but like here, wow. and, it's, and it's both the guards here. Like you you got to shield off the, uh, you got to shield off on the, on the backside of this play. Like I said, he just hugs them, ducking into them and yep. he can't handle the lateral movement. Same thing with like, with Winters, if you look at the right guard here, a lot of times he doesn't really get his punch or strong punch into defenders where he kind of just leans into him and doesn't get good hand placement. That's why the number ninety-two is is able to just stab and, and stack him here with one hand and push him back yeah. into the gap. You, you you gotta get your hands into him and drive. You can't if your hands are on your sh- on the shoulders in the pass game, fine. If your pants if your hands are on the on the shoulders on the outside of the shoulder pads, um, in the run game, you're not going to create much much push. You, you're not generating a lot of power like that. So, and this is another lead zone, um, and the running backs just had had nowhere to go a lot. And that's kind of transitioning into sure. my 18th player, which is Winters, uh, 27 <laughs> years old, torn abdominal last year, seven million dollars this year, but the Jets can cut him next year with no penalties to the to the cap. Um, mm-hmm. He played, you know, well at some points last year. Um, but, but he just, he's way too inconsistent. I think he could be a below average, like decent type of, uh, of guard, but he just really doesn't impress me too much. So I guess, uh, is, is Winters the the guy on your list next?
1: Uh, Yeah. That's why I chuckled a little bit because he's number 17. A lot of the same stuff you said, I think he was hurt last year. So obviously he played really, really poorly. It's weird (laughs) with him. I think when he's healthy and firing all cylinders and in the right scheme, he can be an average guard to – if if everything uh, – all right. He can be an average guard if everything's – which, look, there's
0: – No, things. I'm laughing at this play that's on. If you're not watching on YouTube, like I said, you know, all power to you. I appreciate you listening on the podcast. But, like, I don't know if he's trying to pass this off to Wesley Johnson here. But this was like right. – what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But, okay, here going. There's no, there's
1: absolutely no <laughs> – no. For those that are listening, it's a play in the Tampa Bay game. Where Winters just gets absolutely killed. The only excuse I'll give for that one, and it has nothing to do with Wesley Johnson, is obviously he was playing with broken ribs all year, <coughs> and, and that's yeah. painful as hell. And so hopefully stuff like that doesn't happen this year. But I think he'll give me an average guard. I think I think yeah. world maybe, maybe even slightly above average. Uh... But yeah, probably more likely that if everything goes well, he's an average guard, which look there are worse things. You can't have great players at every single position. And for a guy that was a third round pick a bunch of years ago to be a starting average guard is not terrible. Like you said, Carpenter and him are in the same boat. They both played terribly. Obviously winters has a better excuse because of the fact that he was hurt, but they both have to earn their supper this year. If those guys don't step up and play better, they're both out of here. That's just the way it's going to be you explain exactly why because of the way the money is structured yeah and so it'll be a big year for him i'm hopeful that he could it, w- being healthy and uh, like i said hopefully dennison learns from past mistakes of just doing what he likes without any regard to his personnel i'm hopeful that he can maybe be you, an average you, guard you, and you it can't can, teach
0: you can't teach an old dog new tricks scott mason no, I'm kidding, but uh, yeah, on this yeah, play, you're I,
1: probably right, but you never
0: know. <laughs> no, no, I know. Um, and, um,
1: I thought that was an age reference towards me, but yeah, I got you. <laughs> no, it, I know Dennis is a little bit
0: older, but no, no, and, and and he and he and like he flashes. He actually has, I think he's like 325, like 330 pounds. So Winters yeah. actually does have some good athletic ability for a um, guy that big. He does have some pretty quick hips and quick feet, even though his, feet, his footwork is a little bit clunky at times. Um, but like on this play, like it, this is a this is an ET stunt, not a TE stunt, and um, he recognizes that. Is this? I think Jarrett's number ninety-seven on 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 their team. Uh, I think so yeah, yeah, he's a he's a he's a two-eye tech. I'll call him two-eye tech, and he recognizes like the hesitation here and knows the stunt's coming. You can see as soon as he starts to hesitate, he flashes his eyes to the outside here, um, into the B gap, and he picks up this stunt, the, you know, the stunner, and he tosses him to the ground. So he flashes some ability, and that's why he's, he's higher than uh, Carpenter on mine because one, he's younger, he's uh right. Is he 27? 27 I think he's years 27, old?
1: 27,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think he has more ability. I think the injuries didn't help him last year. I think he's below average or the chance to be average, where I think Carpenter's kind of he's done after this year. I don't really think he's gonna be back. And the Jets have a lot to address with that offensive line. Left oh, yeah, tackle, question. uh he, yeah, left tackle, maybe right tackle, uh, potentially left guard, even center if long's not healthy. Right. So they have a lot to to work on in that in that position, but we'll see where they go. Um, yeah. so that's your, he was your number 17. So my number 17 is the, uh, the big boy that you talked about before, um, in and panel. Um, okay. And I think the reason that he's not higher, um, is because of his, uh, he's, he, he's, he's not like a two way player where he's not going to, um, give you a pass rush, but in terms of just locking down that that the, the you know both sides of the a the both the a gaps and um anchoring down he's he's a freaking strong player he's he's really strong I, I like i like watching him on tape he gets really low you can see it here he gets a good extension out of his arms basically like this is the bench press People say, like, oh, why is the bench press important right there that 's why it's important um uh and and then and then the running back comes in i let me see what kind of run this is it's a power run, um, and he stacks them, and he just – it's not – he doesn't make like a great play here, but just his strength there I, that I showed. But I'll, I'll show another play too. But, um, yeah, 300 – I think he's 335 pounds. 333 I put, 6'4", 35 tackles last year. He, like I said, anchors down um, really, really well. Good hand placement, good leverage. Uh, he can – you know, he can move – you can't move him in the run game. Plays a good base physical violent type of player uh, plays to the whistle you know I I like him but now in terms of the weaknesses you know like I said pass rush no no lateral agility he's tight he lacks pass rush moves it's just it is what it is he's he's like he's a nose tackle you're gonna put on running downs so that's why he's he's uh he's lower on my list than I think he kind of should be um just because he's a one-way player so
1: yeah, uh, like I said, my main concern with him and why I have him a little bit lower than you is because I just wonder with this line being as crowded as it is, how much opportunity. Uh, he's yeah, get. so
0: that's what I wanted to address. Um, so McClendon is like a one through three tech. I think he's more of like a three. I, I think McClendon is almost like a three tech in a in a four three. That's what he looks mm-hmm. like to me. That's how he plays. Uh, Fadokasi is not a nose tackle to me necessarily. I think he could be. I think he'd grow into it. Not this year though. I think he needs some more, some more technique work to be able to anchor down, um, versus, you know, guards and centers in the middle of, of the, of the line. Um, so I think he's more of like a three tech and then Fido, not sorry, not Fado I think Shepard's like a three to five tech. I don't think he's, he should be a nose. Um, so I think he's really the only true nose they have on the roster. So I think in terms of running downs, he's, he's, he's going to get, um, a lot of the reps there at b the one and zero tech where McClendon will get a lot of them too, but, um, and both of them actually in this play just stacking. Well, as I was going to say,
1: I expect McClendon to get a ton of reps in the running game.
0: Yeah, yeah, but um, look at both and both of them too on this play. Like I said, McClendon on the edge there gets the, gets the extension, looks in the backfield, just easily just sheds. And then same thing with with Pennell. Like I said, that's that good base, good bend. Look how low he is. He's six five yeah. or six four. He's under he's under the, the guard's pads or is that the guard? It's yeah, it's it's the uh, the right guard sacking. And then he's looking where the running back is going. Sheds him easily. Just he 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 tosses him like a dog. Um, and makes a tackle. He's freaking strong. And when you're when you're strong and you play with a good base and good hand placement, sure. um, there's not much more you can ask for in the run game. So Pennell is super super impressive in the running game. I really really like his game. But like I said, he's just not a player who's he's like a, he's not a player who's going to get you five sacks. He's just going to get no. you a bunch of run no. stuff. So he'll
1: do a lot of the dirty work.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, moving on though, Scott, who is your – what are we at? We are at – Number 16. 16, yep.
1: Yep, so at number 16, you had him a little bit lower than I did. I have McCown. I'm not sure how much he's going to play this year. I think there's a decent chance he plays a handful of games. But I also think, like I said, having a guy like that as your backup quarterback is a valuable commodity, especially when you have a young rookie at the helm Having somebody with all that experience and also somebody who can start games and get you by in the NFL in 2018 is, yeah. uh, like I said, very undervalued. So that's why I have him there. Not really much more to it. I don't think he's a great player by any stretch, but I think on this particular roster, he's probably you know middle of the pack somewhere around there.
0: Yeah, he was like think my 20th player, but um yeah, so for my 16th, um I have Teddy Bridgewater. And I and I know that, you know, the injuries and all that stuff, but I think just because of potential, maybe sure. he's be 17 below um penal, but yeah, he's my 16th player. I think that potential, um what he showed with the Vikings in in 2015 uh under what is that North Turner, but they ran an I know I'm going to talk about this with Schofield. I know it. Um they ran an air corral system which is more like five to seven step drops, more deeper type uh, concepts, NCA concepts and Yankee concepts and uh, crease concepts, like things like that where it takes more of a, of a drop back. He didn't have a strong offensive line, one. So you're doing five to seven-step drops. You needed a strong offensive line to be able to hold their blocks for that long. And number two, he didn't have that strong of an arm. So it just didn't make sense for him in that offense. I think he still performed pretty well, 25 years old um in that 2015 season he had 300 3200 uh, 3, yards 65 completion percentage 14 touchdowns nine picks um but i so i but i like him you know uh decent mechanics smooth drop back touch accuracy he recognizes blitzes he's he's pretty safe with the ball he's not gonna make special plays like aaron Rodgers. uh obviously because of that safety but at the same time he's not gonna throw interceptions um doesn't force the ball like you know like i just said Throw on the run, leads his receivers away from from contact, things like that. So he, I I like I like his game. Um, I it kind of felt weird to keep him off his list just because of that of that potential. And here, like, just this is just timing. You're seeing, and if you're looking at the uh, top of the screen here, um, the cornerback starts the bail. Bridgewater sees that the quarterback cornerback uh, is bailing, and he and he throws and he throws the ball uh, right as the you know, not actually not not right as the. Uh, receiver is breaking, he actually throws it before the break. And if you're throwing the ball, if you're the receiver and you could see the quarterback throwing the ball, he threw it too late. Basically, as soon as he turns around, the ball is there. And he throws the ball like like this, floats it up, you know, really nothing, no, no whip on it because he knows that this cornerback is bailing. So you see bail coverage, um, and he hits the, the receiver with good timing. So he's a smart player. So I, I put him yeah. at 16.
1: Well, I agree. I think one the, his, his, probably his best trait is his intelligence as a quarterback. I like Bridgewater a lot. I thought it was a, a good signing, but the reason I don't have him on the list, like I said, is because he hasn't taken a snap in two and a half years. and yeah. I just couldn't do it. But yeah, based on talent alone, no question. And even past production, he was a guy that, that was solid to good with the Vikings. And we were expecting that big step forward the following year. And then obviously the injury happened. And that stopped that in its tracks, but hopefully he plays well enough in camp and in the preseason to either make the Jets think twice or to entice another team. Get
0: me, get me Dante Fowler. Yes, yeah.
1: let's, let's do it. Uh, so moving then, on, then maybe David Bass won't be the best pass rusher on this roster. Yeah, uh, but moving along to number fifteen though yeah. is another guy that I think had a bigger impact than some people expected last year. I think he'll probably have. Lower impact this year, but just he's that steady, reliable presence in the passing game. And that's Jermaine Curse. I think that Curse is a guy that you can always rely upon to get you Mm. productive uh, catches, productive yards, move the chains a little bit. I thought he was the most consistent guy with the Jets last year. I know that Anderson was the more dynamic one and the guy that was making the big plays, but Curse was there in a lot of situations, third downs and keys like that. Uh, I expect him to put up weaker numbers this year, just because I think with a new back and with uh, perhaps Hanson taking a step forward, he won't get as many targets, but look, he's a good capable, solid receiver. There's nothing that he's, again, it's kind of like what I was saying before with, um, I forget what I was talking about. It might've been Pinnell. There's nothing he's bad at, there's nothing he's particularly great at, but there's nothing he's bad at. He's just kind of an all-around solid player, and I know that that's a very milquetoast description of him, but I think it really kind of fits.
0: Yeah, he's he's a really smart player. He's he's good at sitting yeah. down in, in uh in, in zone coverage and knowing where uh, the soft spots in the zones are. He can block. Uh, he runs really no, not really really good routes. He runs solid routes. He has right. good hands. He's a willing blocker um like I said before he can block he's he's smart he's he's he's, yeah. he's a decent player um now yeah. in terms of like what so. holds him back the most I think it's it's his speed his explosion um yeah. things like that he's not he's not he doesn't have the characteristics of guys yeah. on this roster like you know Quincy Nunois with his power speed with with Robbie, Robbie Anderson with his speed it? um with Chad Hansen with his leaping ability and his sideline awareness like he doesn't have that those type of traits sure. obviously guys like you know Julio Jones and stuff like that so He's kind of an average athlete, but he's a smart average athlete. So um, he's, he's a little bit—he's—he's he's higher on my list. And I'll get into some of, a little bit of his film, even with Bridgewater. I'll get into some more film when I do the show. Um, but my number uh, fifteen is Kelvin Beecham. Um, ah, okay. Yeah, 20, 29 years old. He's—he's he's a decent pass blocker. He's—he's he's like a little, bit, maybe a little bit above average pass blocker. I would just say, actually, I'll, I'll say decent. Um, but he's a bad run uh, blocker. So yeah. he's—he's—he can hold down. Aside, he's not gonna like shut people down. He's like, not, he's not Joe Thomas. Um, well,
1: I mean, no, who is very few people are,
0: <laughs> all right, yeah. So, okay, he's not uh, the brick of Shaw Ferguson. Um, sure. well, I think honestly in Jets history, might be a little bit overrated, very,
1: yeah. He's he's
2: more than a little overrated,
0: but yeah, like, and true. and the in this this play I'm showing here, it's just his length hurts him a lot, and maybe I think he he probably oversets a little bit here. Um, but that length with that with that one arm stab the inside or the inside arm of the stab there he struggles a lot versus length and power because his arms are just so freaking short he can't get into the into the chest play that's a really nice move by the DN too with his outside arm to to grab uh, to beat uh his outside arm with that punch but he struggles versus versus length um but he's he's smart he's gonna put himself in the most advantageous position he just doesn't have the athletic ability kind of like you know Curse where Curse right. isn't really a, a superb yep. athlete. Uh Beecham's the same type of way. Um, but he also he just he doesn't push in the run game too. He's not he's not good in the run game at all. Like I said, with that length he gets he gets stood up a ton in the run game, uh doesn't drive off his feet like I'd like to see, he doesn't play with the the bend I would like to see, but um still he's he's my number fifteen, so
1: yeah, I think him and Curse are very close in the sense that neither one of them is especially Abnormally gifted, and that's why Jermaine Kearse didn't get drafted. Is because nothing stuck out. It's not like he was super fast or really big or anything like that. He just kind of was a good receiver, and those guys are a dime a dozen. So if you want to make it in the NFL, when that's the case, you got to rely on advanced intelligence and hard work, which Jermaine Kearse has done and turned into a really solid career, and that is why. I have Beecham, since I said him and Curse are very close together. I have Beecham at number 14, so just ahead of Curse. So everything that you just said about Beecham, I think, is fair. I'd say he's an average pass blocker and a below average run blocker. Oh, yeah. He just doesn't really push in a run game. But, you know, look, that was, and maybe this is just more of a state, uh, a sad state of affairs in the Jets offensive line. That was good enough for him to be the best lineman on the Jets last year by a comfortable margin, I thought. so. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully it's not the case this year, and hopefully he at least tries a little harder in the run game. But, yeah, I, I think 14 yeah. is a, a solid spot for him.
0: He just doesn't have, like, the length or the power in the run game. You need length right. to get into the into the defender's chest plate and drive with those legs. But he doesn't have the power to do it. Uh, he doesn't have the athleticism to do it. He's just an average athlete. I think he has, like, a decent kick slot. I think he's pretty smart, but – he just—it is what it is. He's—he's kind of just okay. I'm not going to worry about it, but at the same time, I'm not super static about it. Um, but my number fourteen player, since you said uh, Beecham is your fourteen, my fourteen is uh, Jordan Jenkins, uh, 24 years old. Last year, 49 tackles, three sacks. He played okay. Um, I was—I was pretty impressed when I watched the the film on him. Um, he's just—he's kind of like those guys too. He's strong. He's—he's—he's he's not a superb athlete. He's strong. Um, but he just—he's—he's not—he doesn't have the athleticism, the bend, um, the speed, the burst on the edge to really uh, get sacks. But at the same time, he's gonna—he's gonna, you know—set a really strong edge. He has good power. He's gonna play hard. Um, but he's kind of—he just is what he is.
1: Yeah, and I—it's <laughs> funny you say that because I have him at number thirteen. So there you go. As we go down this list, we're not all that far off. From each spot and the same thing you just said, but I, what I like about Jenkins is he does a lot of the dirty work he sets the edge he's kind of I want to say a poor man's Calvin pace if that makes any sense it, it makes a lot of sense you know uh, because Calvin Pace was a guy that filled that role for a long time and filled it at a pretty good level the, the, the problem with pace let's not even say
0: poor man let's not even say a poor man it's like a middle- class man of, of Calvin sure. Pace
1: <laughs> a, a, a working to middle class version of, of Calvin Pace. The thing with Calvin Pace uh, and and the reason why I think he was a little bit of a disappointment is because based on his final season in Arizona before the Jets signed him to a big money contract, there was the expectation that he was going to take a step forward and be this massive sack guy, get a lot, you know, 12, 13 sacks a year, and that just never materialized. But he had a nice career as an edge setter and, and gave the Jets some solid seasons. And I think Jenkins has the opportunity To be that guy. Now, the problem for the Jets is going to be, as we said, at the moment, barring a trade for Dante Fowler or something like that, the best pass rusher on this team is probably David Bass. So, Jenkins is not going to be able to, I guess, let's put it this way it's a lot easier to set the edge comfortably and to fill that role when you have somebody who's a big time pass rusher on the other side of you because it makes it so much easier. So he does a lot of the dirty work the same way that a lot of these other guys do that we were talking about, like Curse and Beecham. And he's not hes not a super gifted guy in the sense that there's not any one area where you look at him and go, okay, he's a great pass rusher. He's a great run stuff. Whatever. or He's just fine at everything, really, for the most part. And yeah. he's got his strengths and weaknesses. But the best way I could say that thing I could say about Jenkins, Joe, and I think he might agree, He's a fine player.
0: Yeah, and I did a review on him on Twitter. If you want to go to my Twitter, JoeRB31, and check out the review. But some of the the strengths I listed, uh, just strength in general. Uh, played, he's a strong player. He played with a wide stance, which is good, a good base. Um, not too wide of a stance where it's a bad thing. Long arms, always driving his feet. Aggressive motor, sets a strong edge. Um, but in terms of weaknesses, he's tight. Lack of pass rush moves, heavy feet, slow on counter moves. I'm like here, he doesn't. The one of the biggest problems with his game, um, in terms of pass rushes, he always one he always like almost always bull rushes you, so they can prepare for it. They can anchor down and, and just set for the bull. Um, but he doesn't follow up his moves. He doesn't stack his moves here. He gets low. He gets under the right tackle's pads, but there's no follow up move. Once you have one, bang right there. He, he's yeah. on his he's on his heels. He, he's he's panic- he's probably panicking. Throw throw a rip. Throw a bull fork. Throw. Um, a hump move, throw a swim, whatever you have to do, not a swim here, you wouldn't throw a swim, but a, a fork or a rip um, would be perfect, right, right there, right there, work work your hips around him, around around that that edge, and, and throw a rip move, he's he's unbalanced, he's not going to be able to counter it, so he just does not follow up his moves, he needs to follow up his moves, stack up his moves, he just doesn't do it, um, so if he can do that, I think he could be a decent pass rusher where he gets those eight, nine sacks, but nothing, he's never going to be a guy who gets 15, no. 16, 17, but no if he works on his technique, I, I think he could, he could be an even better pass rusher. Um, moving on to, he was your 13. So moving on to my uh, 13 is, is Jermaine curse uh, 65 receptions, 810 yards last year, 12.5 average is pretty good. Um, yeah. Five touchdowns. I listed all of his strengths and weaknesses before, so I'm not going to um, do it again. And you know, there's obviously a show where I'm going to get into it a lot more. Um, but he's a, and I, I just did film on him literally last night, but He's a good player. Good hands. Um, There's nothing super impressive. Just just smart yep. and runs good routes. It's it is what it is. And he makes some good some good catches too. It's not like he just makes average catches like this. I don't know if I remember this catch versus the Chiefs, but uh, that's freaking impressive catch. Oh so, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Jermaine Jermaine <laughs> Curse is a very the best way I could put it with him is you said it best. He's very intelligent and he's very he's a pro's pro. He's. Relies very heavily yeah. on his smarts and on his strong work ethic and fundamentals. I'm but
0: gonna he's... show an impressive play of him in terms of those those smarts, but keep going.
1: Yeah, no, but he's not a guy that will wow you. Like you're not gonna watch him practicing with Anunua and Anderson or even Terrell Pryor and go, "Wow, that guy is whatever." That's not gonna happen with him. He's not gonna jump out at you, but he will make a lot of very key plays, a lot of smart plays. Ugh. And there's nothing that he's really bad at. He's just not special at anything.
0: Yeah, and the route running here, I I love this play um, from him. And the, the defender is playing with inside leverage, which usually, if it's a, at least if it's a zone, if it's cover one, I can understand playing with um, inside leverage on an inside receiver. But if it's if it's a zone, you usually play with outside leverage on an inside receiver because you want to force him into the middle, um, into mm-hmm. that traffic. But regardless, he's, he's inside here. Um, Curse attacks that leverage at first, which gets him on his heels, which gets him uncomfortable, which I love. And then he bursts to the outside, even though he wants to cut back inside. So, boom, he's uncomfortable. And then you're getting him to flip his hips because he's uncomfortable. One, he doesn't get his hands on him. He doesn't really shuffle with him a little bit. Actually, he does shuffle a little bit, but he's not really pressing into his route stem. He does get his hands on him. Um, And because he's uncomfortable, he's not getting his hands on him. He's kind of off balance here. And he's leaning into Curse, and he's not on balance. And Curse sticks his inside hand into his armpit and just throws him. That's a freaking – that's a, just a smart play. Um, yeah. I, I His route running is good. He's not going to explode out of his routes, but recognizing his leverage, recognizing where he is at the top of the route when you're about to break and throwing your hand into his armpit to, to disengage, um, really, really smart. So I, I, I like Kirsten a lot. I think he gets a little bit um, overlooked, but he still falls yeah. for 13, 13 for me and I think 15 for you. Um, but yep. moving on to um, your 12th. or Was that your 12th? Did you already give your 12th?
1: Uh, we're at number 12 now, and my guy here is Bilal Powell, which for some Jet fans it's going to be a little bit Ooh, low.
0: That's yeah, a little low for me.
1: I don't know. I like Powell, but what's the best way to put this? I feel like the fan base <laughs> has started to overrate him a little bit. He's a good blocker for a running back. He's a good pass catcher for a running back. He's a, a solid runner, not nothing special. What
0: do you have to say to this play, Scott?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a good run man hell Listen, yeah i, I like pal i'm not saying i don't i just and, and and it's funny because he's not my highest rated running back on here but i i also had mm. to factor in the fact that i don't know what the opportunities are going to be for him as far as you know you've got spoiler alert uh coming up for me in, uh, my next spot is the guy that they signed, Isaiah Crowell. So you've got him coming in here to okay. probably take the bulk of the carries. <laughs> and you wonder if some of the tight ends are going to get targets. The Jets have a very crowded wide receiver room. I'm not 100% sure exactly what kind of impact the Powell makes. I think he's a good player, but I just – I feel like that Crowell will probably make a bigger impact on the team in 2018 and so that was why I uh, have Crowell ranked one spot ahead of him.
0: Okay. Um, so for actually, let me just bring this up. Um, uh, Powell's good, man. It's just no, he's
1: good. I not yeah, but him.
0: okay. So for for yeah for Carrell, uh, 25 years old, and he's my 12th player actually. Um, so we're actually pretty similar on this list, other than like a few mm-hmm. different things. Um, maybe that's because whatever, but yeah 25 years old um, 4 years with Browns in those 4 years he had 737 carries 3118 yards 4.2 average which he was not helped by the offensive line at all 21 touchdowns 69 receptions for 770 or 770 yards um he's impressive my like the burst the burst out of the cuts the he's powerful in breaking arm and ankle tackles he has quick change of direction always driving his legs he's willing to shoulder contact good hands um, but he runs straight up. He's not a good pass blocker. Doesn't have the best speed. Um, looks disinterested in pass blocking at times. He's hesitant to pick holes at times. His inconsistent. Oh, vision.
1: Yeah. Powell is definitely a better blocker. I mean, yeah, question his balance
0: too. He doesn't have a good balance as 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 Powell. Uh, where he has, like I said this, I think last week when we were talking about him, he has good balance when breaking arm tackles, but okay. he doesn't have um, good balance in terms of cutting. He cuts a little bit high, and he kind of he's kind of just uh, he slips a lot just not super, super impressive with cutting, but um, yeah, he's my, what, 12th, so. Sure, and I
1: mean, I think part of the difference between the ranking that you and I gave him and Powell is that I also factored in the impact that that I expect each guy to have in 2018, okay. so that's why, even though you might say in a vacuum, Powell is an overall better player, to me, part of the equation was who's going to be a bigger piece for the jets in 2018. And so that that's why I had, and listen, I only had Crowell ranked one spot ahead of him anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I got you. I just think Powell is more special and in, in, not special, but he's better in more areas um, sure. Sure. where he's not, he's not, you know, Adrian Peterson or Le'Veon Bell in terms of athleticism or power, but he's a really well-rounded back where no, hundred percent. But regardless, we're, we're, we're relatively close to that. I just think Powell's a better back than Crowell overall. Um, but moving on to 11, who do you have at 11? You said that was Powell, right?
1: Uh, yes. And then so, or no, had, Correll, Correll. Yeah, yeah. I had Powell and then Cruell And then who did you have at number 11?
0: Yeah. Number 11 was, uh, Spencer long. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. And I think if, if he was healthy, I think he might be a little bit higher on this, um, list, but unfortunately he's, he, he's just not, he's not healthy. He's had a history of yeah. knee, knee problems. Um, Big long frame. He plays a good base, strong anchor, really physical player. I showed that last week. Very strong, good balance. Uh-huh. Uh, creates push in the run game. He's good at getting in on blocks while maintaining his zone, which is which is good, um, which basically means he doesn't get distracted by blocking a guy. Let's say who's penetrating into the B gap. You know, he'll he'll check them, um, but then still keep his eyes into the into the A gap. And he has a good feeler for that, so I like that. But like I said, the weaknesses. Big, the biggest thing is his injuries, athleticism. Slow feet, heavy legs. Um, but overall, I, I, I do like him, and that's why he is my, my you know uh, what, 11th player. It's just the mm-hmm. fact that the injuries knock him down a couple of, of spots for me.
1: I have him slightly higher than you, so I'll get to him in a bit. But obviously, those are all very legitimate reasons for having him a little bit lower. My number 10th guy, and I think a lot of people have him higher, but I, just, I don't, is Marcus May. I think Marcus May ah. was fine for a rookie. And I think that he will continue to progress this year. He is banged up right now, but I think he'll be fine by the time the season starts. The problem with May is, and Joe, you pointed this out more than anybody else. There were a lot of times where he got cooked last year. And look, we can blame part of it on the fact that he had to overcompensate for some bad cornerback play. But at a certain point, he got cooked a lot and the opposing quarterbacks didn't catch it or he wasn't targeted or whatever it was. He's going to have to fix that this season. I think he will do better. I definitely think he will do better. I think Tremaine Johnson will be part of the reason why. And I also think that just an extra year of experience will do him some good, but I had him at number 10. I expect some nice things for him, but I also am not going to go crazy. There were people that said he outplayed Adams last year, which I I don't see at all. No, that's that's
0: just, that's just wrong.
1: Yeah, or there were people that will say, oh, I think May will be Meh. better than Adams. I can't see that Ooh, either.
0: So. no, no, no. So,
1: yeah, I have him as my number 10 guy, and I think that's a fair spot.
0: Yeah. Uh, funny thing is, he is my number 10 guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, 25 years old, 79 tackles, two inter- interceptions. But like you said, um, and like I've pointed out um, – I think, a, a lot, um, is that he, he gets looked off a lot. He's not great in coverage. He's too aggressive in coverage where he gets uh, sucked up by play action and things like that. Um, once he locks onto a receiver, like, let's say, who's threatening, you know, um, on a dino stem, he, he'll he'll lock onto that dino stem and not look back into his zone where a post might be coming through. So, he um, he I think he's going to be a, a solid safety for the jets but at the same time he has to prove a lot more to be higher on this list he just cracks the top 10 most likely um just because of of potential um and this is a this is a cover one look and like like i said here uh for whatever reason he's locking his eyes onto the bottom uh he kind of drifts over to the bottom and actually he's not locking his eyes onto the bottom what he's doing is he's reading the quarterback just because the quarterback is looking to the bottom you have to recognize that um I think it's Clayborn on the bottom here has good position on him, and if you look at the slot, uh, who gets beat by Buster screen because he's just he's way too jumpy. He, he just he doesn't shuffle. He's jumpy. He has flat feet in, um, in press coverage. That's why he gets beat a lot. It's his biggest problem. Or is it – no? That's not that's not a. It's actually, Ron Lee, but regardless, Lee gets beat in the slot here, um, on the seam route. And big
1: surprise by the way. And
0: and Marcus May look not even not even close in position. Look how good a position. Uh, Claiborne is on the receiver on the bottom of the screen here. once that happens you have to you have to look back and assess the rest of the of, of the field and he does it too late and he should have got beat for a touchdown here um, yeah now that 's yeah. not necessarily his it is his responsibility because listen it 's cover one, you have to be the last line of defense now at least sucks, so he gets beat here that 's why he's not on my list um, but you have to have better recognition here so that's that's like some of the reasons that but but guess what In the stat sheet that doesn 't come up as him getting beat for a touchdown. But in, in, in mine and looking um, into that stuff, he got beat there. It should have been a touchdown. Yeah. And that happened uh, a good amount of times last year where people just didn't pick it up. It happened in the Saints game. It happened – I think it actually happened twice in the Saints game. It happened in the Chiefs game. So, um, it's, it, he's just kind of iffy. But in terms of the, the strengths, he's aggressive in a good way. Um, also in a bad way, he matches patterns well. He has good versatility, good speed and acceleration, good range. He gets off of blocks. He'll stick his head in there, so he has some some positive things, and we'll go over a lot more with with McMillan when we do that. I believe that's going to be episode in two weeks. Next week is, is Schofield, so um, make sure you're tuned in for that. But he's he's, impre- he's impressive. He lays some hard hits. He shows like like I said that range. It's just he's a he's a rookie. He's a second round. State. Yeah. He needs to uh, improve on the, on the smarts of the game. The athletic ability is there. The power is there. I think he's a better tackler than than uh, Jamal Adams was. So um, I like him. I just don't love him yet. You know.
1: Yeah, I think the hope with him is that he becomes a Victor Green type where he could be that strong safety for a really long period of time and do it at a, a solid level. But I don't think that anybody should be expecting him to be some sort of all pro or even pro bowler. I don't know that he has that in him. But again, as a second round pick, if you get yourself a guy that can be a really good safety for you know eight years, that's a win. So let's keep our fingers crossed. I, I think you really laid it out well. Strong tackler, uh, great athletic ability, or not great, but very good athletic ability. Yeah, We've got some stuff to work on, and like you said, those are all things that you learn with experience. He got beat a lot more than people realize because he wasn't targeted on certain plays. But, again, I'm hoping that with improved cornerback play this year and, and pay, possibly with another guy, uh, in coverage as a linebacker that we'll talk about in a bit who's better than what they had before maybe that'll uh, help as well and yeah. so I'm, I'm hoping that he has a, a better year this year and I think he will I think he's going to do well uh, another guy that I, I think will do fine if he stays healthy and that's the reason why he's not a little higher on this list is Morris Claiborne dude we are pretty we, pretty we are pretty we're pretty close <laughs> to this Claiborne's
0: mine he's my ninth too
1: yeah I think Claiborne fits at number nine and He's one of these guys where if he's healthy, he's a very solid number two cornerback. I think he got miscast as the number one just out of necessity because he was the only – let's just be – let's throw this out here. Morris Claiborne was the only NFL starting caliber cornerback the Jets had last year, and I don't even think it was close. He wasn't a lockdown corner, a Pro Bowl corner, any of that nonsense that some people were saying, but he was – Good in spots, and especially the first half of the year. Now, the second half of the year, he really fell off a cliff. But I think that now, and you mentioned this on the last show, if he doesn't have to cover the number one receiver on the team, if he's covering Mohamed Sanu instead of Julio Jones or something like that, he's much better suited to do that. Now, the problem, of course, with Claiborne always is the injuries. And I'm going to come off as a little silly when you hear my next guy on the list. When I talk about injuries.
2: Spencer the injuries, that's wrong.
1: Yeah, of course, exactly. But <laughs> but the problem here with Claiborne is that there's a pattern throughout his entire career of never being able to stay healthy. Last year he played 15 games, which was shocking. No one expected it, and for the price the Jets paid, they got a great bargain. I think it was a, what was it a one year like three or four million dollar deal? I think it's five. I think
0: it's I think it's one year five million.
1: Yeah, so I mean you can't complain when you get a, a guy that played. As, as well as he did. And again, not at a Pro Bowl level, I think, but anytime you get a cornerback that can play relatively no. well as a starter for one year, $5 million, that's a good yeah. deal. But do you expect him to do that again this year, as far as staying healthy, or do you expect it to revert back to the mean where he's going to miss you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 games? I don't know. Uh, but I do think that he will, when healthy, be very good this year because yeah. now a lot of the <clears> pressure <throat> is off of him and he can concentrate on lesser wide receivers that he'll have better success against.
0: Yeah. So, and that's a big worry for the Jets. That's why I, I wish, I don't know what the situation is. It's a really weird situation. I wish they would pursue Brashad Brewerin because I like him. Uh, the yeah, I injuries, wonder what's though,
1: going on with him. There must a, be something with his health, like really bad that he's they, visiting they don't the, really know.
0: He's visiting the Raiders. I think the, maybe the 49ers right now. Um, but, If they can sign him because the Jets don't have a backup, like, you know, number two boundary type of corner. Maybe Screen could do that. But the problem with Screen playing the outside is we have nobody else to play the slot. Um, Say what you want about Perry Nickerson. I do not think he's ready. Um, But in terms of, like, his strengths, you know, long arms, he's strong press when he does. He does not press as much as he should, especially with his long arms and power. Good tackler, smart. He sets a good good edge in the run game. Plays a good pad level. Um, he played well in both man and in and in uh, zone. He play, he plays bail. He plays off. He plays soft shoe. He plays aggressive press. He plays catch man. He mixes up his techniques for the game. Good hips, fluidity. So I, I like him, but his problems w- with him, you know, his hips don't stay square. Uh, he looks at the head, not the hips, which gets him, you know, uh, kind of jumping on head fakes and things like that where he shouldn't. Uh, he plays high sometimes, which I don't really love. Um, but like here, like this is, this is a good example of why he's good when he, when he does press, this is just, it's an aggressive press technique. It's not like a soft shoe where soft shoe, like I said before, it's eyes, feet with the shuffle and then hands. This is strike and get back to balance. It's just, that's, that's what it's called. Like I said, strike, get back to balance. So you're getting back under your feet. So he get that strike in, really accurate, strong strike it really disrupts Brandon cooks on his route right here. And then he gets back to balance, he gets a shuffling, and then he and then he's running with them. So that's a real that's a really good rep right there from from uh Claiborne. And the problem with his game is he just doesn't do it enough and he opens right. up his hips too much, and then there's times where he also I like, kinda like true uh, not true font, um Tremaine Johnson, um, where he looks back to the quarterback too soon. Um it's just you know he has some of those problems but like I said we'll go over that more but yeah he is my what are we at right now Scott uh, nine we're nine, nine yeah, yeah so he's mm-hmm. he's he's in on nine as as well um with you uh, like I said he's he's pretty healthier like you said he's pretty healthy last year but is is that going to happen again Uh I'm not I'm not too sure so and this is uh, like I said with the I'm gonna bring up a play of just his eyes and and falling for a a jab I think yeah he's on the top of the screen here he's playing with. He's playing heads up, I think. It looks like it. Uh, but with that that head fake, really, like I said, he's falling for the head fake because, one, he's, he's looking high. And uh, Demarius Thomas wants to get inside here, so he's going to attack inside. Uh, Claiborne opens his hips up way too soon. That's the problem opening your hips up too soon. You're giving away the inside so easily right there. And he's beat. Um, the ball doesn't go there, but he gets beat bad there. Uh, Got to eyes shuffle. You need the shuffle. You need to get into the routes stem. Uh, because if he if he wasn't looking high here one he wouldn't open up his hips and two if he was to trust it if his eyes were on the hips he would shuffle here so eyes feet uh and then the press and the soft shoe that he's playing he gets his hands on here he has the ability to feel him going back inside and he and he can challenge it but because he opens his hips up too soon he gets beat badly so um there's some plays that are really impressive like i said impressed the last show uh, the last play i showed and then there's plays that are yeah, that I just showed. So he's too inconsistent. But uh, moving on to your eight, uh, who is that? Number eight, I have Spencer Long. I
1: was debating Long versus Claiborne for a while, and I ended up putting Long yeah. slightly ahead, and here's why. I think both guys are obviously major injury concerns. They both had a pattern of it. And I think that both guys are good to slightly better than good. I don't know if I'd go very good when when healthy. The reason that I gave Long a slight edge is because I think there's room for growth there. Long's only played center for two seasons and not even, you know, two full seasons. I think there's potential for him to get better. And I think that he has the possibility of really elevating the offensive line beyond what it was last year, because obviously, look, Wesley Johnson wasn't the only reason they were bad, but he didn't help. But so so the main reason why I ranked him slightly ahead is because I think that he can take a step forward whereas with Claiborne by this point he is what he is and we kind of know it so that was really my thinking there and I think Long, if healthy and again big if will be a very solid contributor to this offensive line and I I think if he stays healthy I mean again not that this is a big deal because the offensive line isn't really anything special but I think he should if healthy be the best offensive lineman of this group
0: yeah, I could see it. Like I said, he was my he was my 11th because of those those injuries. Um, but I agree with the room to grow. I'm excited to see what he does with the Jets this year. And the play I just showed is just that aggressiveness again. I think I, I showed that play last year. But good base, good extension. Uh, yeah. He plays a little bit high in his upper body, but uh, strong guy, the, guy too, strong as hell. Uh, and that you know attributes to that base that he gets. Um, plays a little bit high, like I said, in his upper body, but good burst off the off the snap. I like players who are just smacking the mouth in the offensive line. That That's what he does, but like I said, a little bit lower. Um, my number eight is Blaupal, 29 okay. years old, so he's getting a little bit older. Um, last year, 178 rushes for 772 yards at a 4.3 average, which I do not know how you get a 4.3 average with the Jets' offensive line, five <laughs> touchdowns, 23 receptions, 170 yards. I think like he's still going to get a decent amount of these, of these snaps um, in terms of the passing game because Crowell – he knows how to pass block, but at the same time, uh, he's a little bit lazy in it where he just kind of throws his hands out there and, and lets the uh, whoever it is who's rushing kind of get into him and then bull rush to quarterback, which I don't like. Um, and Elijah McGuire, I saw a little bit yesterday when I was watching him, he doesn't really set up the best angles, and he doesn't really get the best leverage to prepare himself for blocks. So I don't think he's a great pass blocker. I think he's a be- might be a better receiver than Powell um, with his hand and the route running ability, but in terms of pass blockers, blocking he's kind of eh so Powell is my eight I love Powell you got to give him credit uh he's been extremely consistent player for the Jets um and I love him you know not on like a man-to-man you know love level I love I love his I love his game so uh he's my he's my number eight so uh moving on to your number eight though
1: you know what's funny I like Bilal Powell don't get me wrong but isn't it kind of telling that the best offensive skill player that the Jets drafted during Rex Ryan's tenure here was Bilal Powell, who is not even an every down running back.
0: You're throwing dirt on my, on my boy's name. I don't like it, Scott. <laughs> hey,
1: I like, I like Rex, but let's, you know, it is what it is. So at number seven, I don't know, Stephen
0: Hill, Stephen Hill is a close running second.
1: Yes. Stephen Hill. And uh, I'm trying to, have to think of Mark Sanchez, obviously, Geno Smith um, at number seven, though, Gosh. I haven't Jalen I Saunders, know, Oh God, Jalen Saunders. Yeah, Shaq Evans. Boy, what a. We should sit here. Oh, who one
0: else? Day. Who else was that on that 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 draft class? They had Brandon Dixon, who got cut. They had oh, who was that linebacker from? Was it Texas Tech? Jeremiah George.
1: Yes. He got Jeremiah cut George. really
0: quickly. Yeah. Uh, that that draft class. My God. Calvin Pryor. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, okay, C- keep going. You're number seven.
1: The only one that actually was good is a guy that will appear on the list a little bit later on. But uh, number seven is Steve McClendon. And I know Ah. we both like him. I have him here. He's another guy. It's weird. I say this about several guys on the Jets, and it comes off as almost an insult, but it's not. He's not great at anything, but really good at just about everything. He's not a pass rusher that is going to get 10 sacks a year or really make your quarterback scared. But, you know, he can get back there. He's not the best run stuffer in the league, but he's very good at it.
0: He's very good he's, at it.
1: Yeah, he's very, very good at it. He's got good technique. He's not the best athlete in the league, but he's a good athlete. So you could go on and on down the line. But I, I just think he's – I mean, you can make the case he's the most underrated player on the team. And yeah. year to year, man, a bargain. What is he, $4 million against the cap or something like that?
0: Uh, yeah, somewhere right around there. I think that McClendon might be my best take. Uh, I really liked him coming out of Pittsburgh, and for reasons like this, just the smarts. Um, this there's there's a there's a combo block on the on the play side. So this is an ace combo block, um, and he the the right guard isn't really going to block. and Kind of like just checking with his elbow, and he knows that's coming. And there's that arm over. Just that that's that's just smarts. Instead of trying to engage him there, um, he gets skinny through the hole. Um, and actually is this a count? No, it's not a counter. Um, this is an inside zone split. Uh, and this, this, uh, right guard is actually trying to check the, uh, McClendon, who's the two I tech to give the center, uh, leverage on him. Uh, but just the arm over move and quickly penetrates, wraps up the running back and gets a tackle on the backfield. Uh, He's really freaking impressive. Uh, run game. I think he offers a little bit more in the pass game than people realize. Even though he really only has, he doesn't have too many moves. Um, he's athletic enough to get back there. But like you said, he's not. He's 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 uh, he's not, he's a master of none type of guy where he's not really super impressive in any area. Because in the run game, uh, he does he does struggle um, a little bit with his with his leverage. But in terms of the other weaknesses, not a great pass rusher. Even though he does offer a little bit speed, he struggles to engage uh, disengage blocks in the pass rush. He plays high um, in the run game, like I just said. Uh, not many pass rip moves, but in terms of strength, which is like – it's not just like, oh, it's a strength. It's like he's really, really solid at it. Um, he, has, he has a good base, good anchor um, in the run game, which I like, which like, he's kind of inconsistent actually in his, in his base. Sometimes he plays high, sometimes he plays low. But I think the, the high um, – the highness is from his upper body, not his lower body, but strong, plays a good leverage, keeps his eyes in the backfield. Underrated athleticism, really strong hands, really strong bull rush, smart player, good effort, quick off the snap. So I, I like him. I like him a lot. Yeah, um, sure, I agree. And, and that's why he's number seven for both of us. Moving on to six. There you go. I think we might have – we we're, we're probably similar on like 18 of these 25, which is pretty good. Yeah,
1: it is crazy, man. this is what happens when I watch your film reviews. I start to think like you, I guess. Yeah. And at number six, I've got Avery Williamson, who I think uh, is, is going to be a really good linebacker for this team and a lot of people were upset when Demario Davis left but I said this last week he's better he's cheaper and he's younger so that's a great combination and here's the thing about Avery Williamson Mm
2: -hmm.
1: when Demario Davis came out of Arkansas State was drafted in the third round the big pitch from Rex Ryan and those guys was we are going to Use him to neutralize tight ends and running backs in pass coverage. Didn't happen because Demario Davis can't cover running backs and tight ends. We learned that fairly quickly. When Darren yeah. Lee was drafted, we were told this is the guy that's going to neutralize tight ends and running backs, and he can't and he never will because he's just not good, as we talked about. He barely made my list and he didn't even make yours, right? Williamson is a guy that we were told the opposite. Everybody under the sun was saying, oh, the Jets sign Avery Williamson. He's a good two-down linebacker, right? But if yeah. you look at the film, and obviously, Joe, you have, and if anybody hasn't checked out your Avery Williamson review, they should do it right now on your Twitter or at turnonthejets.com. Avery Williamson's a pretty good, for a linebacker, he's pretty good at defending the pass. He's a lot better at it than the two guys that were sold as the saviors in Demario Davis and Darren Lee. And I think he, he's a capable tackler. He can do – it's weird. Again, I keep saying this about a lot of guys, but he's well-rounded. He's not especially great at anything, but he's not – really, he's not bad at anything either. I mean, I shouldn't say that. He's not especially bad at anything. He has weaknesses like anybody else. But I think he's going to be a very nice piece for this defense, and he's going to hopefully be the strong inside linebacking presence – for the next couple of years that everybody hoped Darren Lee would be when they drafted him in the first round out of Ohio state.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and Williamson's actually, well, he's my fifth player. So I'll just talk about him now. Uh, 26 years old, 92 tackles, three sacks. He's like, like long. He's like a punch you in the mouth type player, plays a really good leverage, is aggressive, blows up offensive line and you're not going to block him with a tight end ever plays with a good base. Um, is smart is better in coverage and people give him uh, recognition for. Uh, but problem with him and like good amount of the Jets defenders is they're too aggressive. He'll tackle a hole, you know, a hole too soon. Doesn't maintain uh, backside leverage. Um, he's not a superb athlete, but he's a decent athlete. So right. I, I I like him. I like him a lot too. Um, he is my number. He's my number five though. Uh, I'm gonna I'll pull up a play really uh, quickly of of him here. So I guess just your final thoughts on I guess Williamson. I don't, I don't know.
2: Yeah,
1: I think everything that the two of us said more or less sums it up. Like I said, not a lot of glaring weaknesses. He's got some strength. I mean, the best way I could put it is I'd say Williamson is like a B- to B-plus player. He's not going to wow you, and he's not going to ever be an all-pro player.
0: I just love the smash-mouth players. I really like it. Sure, yeah.
1: McClendon and and Jermaine Curse is another one that fits into this mold uh, along with Williamson. Kelvin Beecham a little less so, because I don't think this is good. But, <laughs> no. I just mean it, but I just mean in terms of, like, remember, Kelvin Beecham was a seventh-round draft pick and turned into at least a capable offensive tackle. Th- these guys are a lot of, I guess you would say, they're tryhards, right? They don't stand out to you in any marketable way as far as being, quote-unquote, elite when you would watch them practice. But they're smart. Yeah. They have good technique. They are have found a way to be impactful in multiple different ways. And again, guys that were either drafted very late, like Beachum or not drafted at all, like say McClendon. These are guys that are glue pieces to a good team because every player on your team can't be an all pro, a pro bowl or a flashy guy. You have to have guys that can do the cleanup work. And I think Williamson's another one of those types of players.
0: Yeah, like I said, the weaknesses are just based on misdirection-type stuff. But for his size, 250 pounds, it's smacking the mouth. uh, Good active feet, good lateral quickness, good speed in general, better in zone and man than people give him credit for, really. Um, So I'm really excited to see – um, what he's going to do this year, and I think people are going to start to talk about him next year. Like, oh yeah, we we have Williamson. You know, I think he's a Pro Bowl type player. I don't necessarily know if he is a Pro Bowl type player, but you're going to see Jets fans start to uh, hype him up once the year goes on because he, he is more solid than people really give recognition for. And the people, the problem with people, and the the main reason, not the main reason, but one of the reasons for the show is people. He, okay, Google Avery Williamson. Oh, good in run yep. game, but he yep. struggled in pass in pass production. This game, I mean, this game, this this show we're going to show you this week. Our was it last week? We showed him uh, covering the uh, tight end on the seam route, and then he passes that off to the safety and then jumps on, in on the curl. Good, good play from a linebacker. Is he, is, he, is he Patrick Peterson in coverage? No, but he's, he's passable. He's going to be there. The only reason he wasn't in there a lot with the Titans, like I said, film work, you got to study, um, is because of Jonathan Ciprian, And he, he subbed out multiple of the linebackers. Right with the Titans so I, I like him a lot but uh any other comments and then if not move on to your number five player who is probably my number six player
1: yeah I, I think that like you said it's one of those deals where if you don't watch film on the non skill level players you typically don't understand how good or bad a guy really is an inside linebacker an offensive line and you're mostly just going on reputation and what the quote-unquote experts say it's hard, because if you're just watching a football game, you're not necessarily paying attention to that guard in the trenches that's making a run block or a pass block or Avery Williamson trailing a running back on a play where the running back wasn't targeted, you know, that kind of stuff. You really yeah. have to dig into the film, and that's, like you said, the purpose of this show, and I, I love the concept, and that. that's why – I was so happy that it was brought to TOJ Digital because... That you robbed me? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's right. A a little poaching job there. But I think that (laughs) it's something that not enough fans really have access to. And let's be honest, I'm not faulting anybody because we all have our own lives and we have a lot of stuff that we got to do. And look, we all watch football and we follow it and whatever, but how many people can really sit down and watch hours and hours and hours of film? Well, Joe Blewett can. So Joe Blewett is basically watching the film so that the guy who works the 12-hour shift or whatever can go, oh, all right, I can go to Joe Blewett's film review and I can see him point out X or Y or Z. And it's a valuable service, especially for somebody who's a Jets fan because then you can really understand what makes a good or a bad player. And I think Avery Williamson is the perfect example of what we were saying because all you read, over and over again. And so people started repeating it like it's fact. And I don't really want to get into this too much, but as far as both sports and really anything else that's, you know, complicated in real life, people tend to do this. They tend to hear something said enough times, and then they just believe it as fact and repeat it themselves without actually understanding why they're saying it. And so that's what happened with Williamson. Everything you read was, well, you know, good run against the run, but he can't cover anybody. But then when you go and look at the film, you're like, oh, where did this come from? And what probably happened is, and I like PFF, but probably some dude at PFF watched it. And that was his uh, assessment. So then some other media guy said, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then someone else picked it up. They probably look at
0: his third down coverage snaps that he was taken out. And that oh, he's bad in coverage.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, coaches don't believe in him in coverage. Yeah,
0: and and that's that's a good point. That's where I'm trying to bring people on this show is like, Okay, I'm not going to say, oh, this is a good play. I'll tell you, like, like I've, you've seen multiple times the attacking leverage and, and bend in the, in the hips and the waist and bending, you know, uh, routes and uh, hand placement and, like, co- even, like, coverages. Like, people, okay, you know, cover four. Okay, oh, yeah, cover four. There's there's four uh, deep, you know, guys. They split the field in fourth, uh, one-fourth, 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 one-fourth. Do you know what a cover four push is? I, I don't know. Do you? Do you know what a cover four cut is? Do you know what a cover four boxes? um probably not like so that's what i'm going to try to bring to this right. show and show that the cover there's another co- cover for I'm, I'm forgetting right now too a uh, cover four box cover four, uh cut cover four, uh push and cover for something I'm, I'm forgetting whatever it is um but it's that's that's what i want to bring you that's what i want to show people the difference between the, the, the different cover three is different cover ones different cover twos uh it's just uh, we're gonna have fun. I'm gonna try to teach people things, and I'm learning. And I think the best way to learn, um, especially things you kind of already know, is to explain them. So if I know, if I watch a play and say, "Yeah, that's a really good route," you know, good hip flip, but having to explain it on a video to other people makes me learn even better. So it's it's fun um, for me personally. But moving yeah. to your number five, who who is that?
1: So my number five guy is Robbie Anderson, and I, I think that Robbie is a guy mm-hmm. that look. Let's be real about it. He's somewhat limited. He, he's a guy that's a deep threat. That's really what he is. He's not a crisp route runner. He's not really especially strong. Uh, he's he's tall, but what?
0: uh no, it's the the, the friggin' cover four. I forgot. It's cover four Zaro. That always happens. After, I forget. <laughs> Which basically just just for example, cover four Zaro. It's it, sorry, to interrupt you. I just I blanked out and I just remembered. That always happens. Um. Basically, in a cover four, the outs, the, the receiver or the cornerback on the outside is going to match any vertical stem, which is like past like ten to twelve yards of the, um, of the, uh, sorry, ten to twelve yards of the of the receiver. So, there's like a post route or a you know a seam route or a deep dig, whatever it may be. They're going to match that if it if it breaks past ten to twelve yards. But a cover four Zorro is basically the the cornerbacks are going to alert to each other that it's probably going to be a. Um, A scissors concept basically, which you're gonna, they're gonna cross. So if you have two guys crossing at the top of the route, they're gonna, they're gonna get intersected and hit each other. So if they see two guys stacking or they're seeing something on film where they think they're going to um, run a uh, a switch concept, they'll call Zorro. Um, And Zorro basically means you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna kind of uh, pass the receiver off instead of locking him down past that 10 to 12 yards. Mm -hmm. So sorry, but like, do people know about that? No. So, okay. Um, And
1: and And that's really the point is, like I said, most people aren't going to. And what you provide is the opportunity, and that's why we call it film room, the opportunity to see things the way that guys that are studying tape for practice purposes to learn about their opponent or to learn about their own performance or to learn about their teammates' performance, this is what they do. They sit down and they watch the film and they analyze the concepts and they have just a deeper understanding of what they're looking at And that's what your role is, really, is like you said, you're teaching people to kind of see things in a more, I guess you would say, complex way. And it's not an easy thing to do. But like you said, the more that you do it, the more it even enhances your own understanding. It's the same reason why if you go and look, uh, teachers will tell you that cooperative learning works a lot of the time, which to me, it's a little bit of a scam because that's a way of teachers getting out of the having to actually teach, they just go, Oh, you guys teach each other. And now I could sit back and have a cup of coffee or whatever. But when you teach other people stuff, then it, it really gets ingrained in your own brain. And I, I could say that also as somebody who had to speak in public a lot, um, but yeah. with, with Robbie Anderson and getting back to him, Yeah. yeah sorry. I think Robbie Anderson's a one trick pony. Uh, but that one trick is a hell of a valuable trick, man. You get open on these deep routes and you get, you know, 60, 70-yard touchdowns, 40, 30, whatever it is, these big plays. I mean, look, you make a living on that. Now, not that he's as good necessarily as, say, Santana Moss, but the last time the Jets really had a deep threat like him, a guy that literally was, legitimately was a threat to score on any play if he could get past the defensive back, was Santana Moss. And we're going back 15 years now. Robbie Anderson, not a crisp route runner. He's not all that strong. He's not short, but he's not especially tall. I think he's like five eleven or six foot, right? Something along those lines. I think he's six
0: one. Yeah, I think he's six one.
1: Is he six one? All right, fine. So he's got fine height, but again, nothing else about him sticks out. But it's his speed. Now, you talked about this, Joe. Straight line speed can only get you so far. What impressed me a lot about Anderson last year. Was the fact that he made a stride in the, he made strides in certain areas that are that are important, ball location pinpointing. He was a lot better there. One thing that was a huge weakness of his and a big reason why he didn't go he didn't get drafted coming out of Temple. His hands. He had bad hands coming out of school. His hands were a lot better last year. So if you think about the fact that he's improved his ball location and he's improved his hands and the fact that he can get open like that and really you know put tons of space in between him and the defender yeah i'd love to see him be able to run crisp routes yeah i'd love to see him be able to muscle around these guys it's probably never going to happen and that's okay because there's another guy on this jets team that can do those things and can do them well anderson's not that guy but look you can really make an impact on a football team if you're a wide receiver that can do the things that robbie anderson can do now the biggest question with that. Is off the field stuff. Can he keep his head out of his butt, so to speak? We'll see. He's still a young guy. I think he's only about 24. Let's find out. But I'm excited to see what he can do, especially once we see Sam Darnold. Because, look, we know Darnold's got a really nice arm, and he can make plays on the run. And, look, when you extend plays and give Robbie Anderson extra time to get open – I mean, how long do you expect a defensive act to be able to contain Robbie Anderson unless he jams him at the line of scrimmage, right? So yeah. It's going to be fun. We'll see. But I, I think he's got a lot of potential for growth. And I think barring some injuries or some unexpected long suspension, there's a very good chance he's going to get 1,000 yards this season.
0: Yeah, he would have got 1,000 yards if McCown played all last oh, yeah. year. And okay. in terms of, like, the one-trick pony, I agree with you. Um, it's, but his his one trick is obviously yep. uh, he's one of the best deep threats in the yep. in the entire league, and he's my number six player. I had a Center five. He's my number six, and he needs to improve um, on those things like working over the middle. There's a yep. and I think I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this up in the other show that I do. But like there's I think it was the Chiefs game. He's coming over on the slant, and he cowers versus bigger uh, linebackers and safety. He doesn't like taking hits. Uh, he needs to get stronger and press. But the thing he did improve on from from 2016 to 17. I think he had better releases off the line of scrimmage, where he set up his his routes better. Um, mm-hmm. Whether it be like a stutter step or attacking, you know, uh, leverages of the of the corner. So I think he did that better. I also think he improved his hands on catching the ball oh. over his shoulder, which yeah. I showed I showed on that last play versus uh, what was was that Brett Crimes. So yes, he has and good his hands there. Hands
1: in general, Joe. Really, his hands in general were a lot. Work, a lot better. Yeah,
0: working back to the ball, he still needs to improve his hands. Though oh, that's yeah. just my, that's my opinion. Much. And his routes, like his routes, releasing off the line of scrimmage, he, he actually runs decent routes um, because he's so quick. You have to respect him. People open their sure. heads way too soon against him. But in terms of the top of the routes, I, he's way too like clunky. He's, he doesn't have the agility at the top of his routes. He, doesn't, he just doesn't have his power. To explode out of breaks at the top of the routes, you need strength. Never going to be um,
1: confused for Eric Decker. Let's put it that way. No, no,
0: and like even here, like just the technique. Look how high his body is. You, you want when you're running breaks like this, you want to bend down a little bit more. You want your uh, shoulders over, over your, over your knees here. So he's leaning back way too far. You're not look, look at how you're going to break. For, he looks, he's almost sitting in an invisible chair. You need to, you need, he needs to have his his chest over his knees here to break out of it. And on the top of these routes and the corners are going to press you. or They're squatting at the top of the route. What you want to do is really explode at them. He's not really exploding at him to make him feel uncomfortable, so he's able to get his hand in there. You don't want. You really want to kick your legs out here, mm-hmm. and then, and then he has some dead time at the time at the top of his routes. So right at the top of the route, you really gonna to want to plant your hip like right there and flip. You want to flip really quickly right there. He doesn't have that strong of a flip there. Um, there's a lot of dead time, and he doesn't attack the ball. Uh, you need to attack the ball when a guy is this close to you. You can't let the ball come to your body like that. So he needs. More explosion there, explode at him, quicker, uh, you know, better, uh, better not leverage, but he needs to play over his, over his knees here and he needs to explode to the ball, extend the hands. But so he still has problems at the top of the routes, but overall, um, he's still a really, really good deep threat. So he is my um, number six, like I said uh, with um, what's his name at my number five, uh, Avery Williamson. So now we're moving on to our number four. So who is your number four?
1: Yeah, and I'll tell you, Joe, just to finish that off, I don't necessarily think that he's ever going to really improve that greatly in those areas. But even if he doesn't, I, look, ideally he would, but I, I don't think that it's that big of a deal because I think even if he's just what he is now, he is a productive receiver in the league for a lengthy period of time. And he could give the Jets that deep threat that they've been missing for a really long time. And We talked about the stuff that Robbie Anderson can't do. there's a guy on this list that can do all of that stuff and he's coming back from a neck injury and that's Quincy Inunua. Quincy Inunua, look, I struggled with this one. Some people would put Robbie above Quincy only because of the injury issue, but I just think that Quincy is much more well-rounded as a wide receiver and he really, man, I think that Dan Orlovsky took a lot of heat for what he said about the jet receivers, he nailed it when he said that Quincy Anunwa is basically Anquan Bolden with his skill set. I love that comparison. I think it's very similar. He's an excellent blocker for a wide receiver. He's got a great size, strength, tremendous strength for a wide receiver. Reliable hands can run routes. He's got deceptive speed. I mean, look, he's not Robbie Anderson in the speed department, but he gets in the open field and he, he's tough. Yeah. It's really hard to bring down. And he's another guy, Joe, if you remember when he first came out, a big part of the reason why he went in the sixth round, I mean, he had some off the field baggage, but he had, his hands were not good and his hands have improved a lot. He's turned into a really good wide receiver. I'm not sure that he's ever going to be all pro level or anything like that, but I'm really excited to see what him and Anderson are going to look like in this offense once Darnold plays, because I think when you have athletic receivers like those two guys guys with speed guys that can really get down the field and make an impact you really have an opportunity to do something and I think Quincy if he's healthy
0: yeah he could have
1: a really strong year and this could be the first time since I know it's not that far back but since 2015 that you have two wide receivers on this team to go over a thousand yards but here's why it would be way more satisfying this time Quincy Nuna, drafted by the Jets still in his prime Robbie Anderson, signed as an undrafted free agent by the Jets, still in his prime. Look at the other two guys that did it. It was Marshall who was toward the end of his career and was certainly not drafted by the Jets. He, I believe the Jets were like his fourth or team. And then Decker, who was good, closer to his prime than Marshall, but still again, not a homegrown guy. So if those two guys can have big years, which I think that they can and have over a thousand yards, man, you got something to build on for the next bunch of years because these are still young guys and like I said, yeah. I think the thing about Quincy Nuno that stands out to me is like Anquan Bolden, he is just very, very good at a lot of different things.
0: Yeah, he's like super versatile, which is like the – people yes. look up the stats. Oh, well, he only like, – let's say this year, only, like 2016, let's just say, 58 receptions, um, 857 yards, four touchdowns. People are like, oh, that's not that good of a year. But if you watch the film and you see the crack block he, he lay that he lays on, on – well, And look who's throwing the
1: ball all year.
0: Yeah, or or linebacker, or yeah, exactly. Or linebackers, or the cut blocks he makes, or um, little things like that. He's just he's super impressive. He does everything pretty well. Um, his routes still do, do need work. Um, his release off the line needs work. The top of his routes need work. His technique in his routes, his hips, and his. But in terms of like athletic ability, all the things he can do, is just out of control. Like this route, like I'm not really a fan of that release. You're not. He's he's kind of like shuffling his feet and hopping his feet with a little bit of hesitation. But he's not, he's not ever really threatening Stephen, uh, Stephen Gilmore here, or Stephen Gilmore, whatever the hell his name is, Stephen Gilmore. Stephen um, Gilmore, yeah. Yeah, you wanna, he wants to get a little bit more into, into his face here to, to, to really make him panic, um, to open his hips either way, but he's not really doing that. So, so Gilmore is really just able to shuffle with him and keep his hips square for a pretty long time. So he, he needs some work on, on that. Uh, just That's a like wasted movement. He's not really doing anything there. Um, and I want to see him here to work a little bit more to stack the receiver. I mean, to, to stack the cornerback, but regardless, at the end, this is where you see, like, the athletic. Yeah, look ability.
1: at that. That is just – wow. And, and it, again, it, realizing where he is, pinpointing the ball, what, like we were talking about before with Chad Hansen, that is just – man, that's good stuff right there. Especially for his size. And a guy who's yeah. making
0: this these catches can also run probably, like, what, like a, like a 4, 5, 40, uh, can also block, you know, a guy like a Chandler Jones on the edge, cut block him, or crack block a guy like a Terrell Suggs, whoever it may be. So he shows an ability to do a lot of different things. You can use him as an X. And I hate the number one, number two receiver garbage. What does that that mean? That That means nothing. Are you a Z? Are you a split end? Are you a flanker? Are you an H? Are you a tight end? Are you a slot? Are you an inside slot? Use them by their actual terms, not number one receiver. receiver, Lead receiver? Yeah, I get it. But right. And, and um, so
1: ultimately who really cares? Cause you know, I care. <laughs> no, no what I, no, what I mean is, all right. Paul
0: no, no, no i Had
1: me on his, had me on his podcast, the jet zone, which is a part of TOJ digital now, by the way. And he was asking me about a noonway's He's like, what is he? Is he a number one receiver? Is he number two? Is he a tight end? What is he an H back? I said, look, whatever, who cares what he really, what he is, what he is, is a good offensive player. You can label him whatever you want to, and who cares about the number one, number two wide receiver stuff? That yeah. that, to, that to me is so stupid. It's kind of like in baseball: is this guy your number one or number two starter? Well, is the guy pitching well? Otherwise, who cares? So it Listen, doesn't really matter, right? Yeah.
0: He's he's your he's your X. He's your Z. He's your inside slot. He's your outside slot. He's your H. He can play running back. He can do everything. Right. So he's not number he could, one, number two. It's just, it just yeah. that limits a lot of things. But let's move on because I don't want to make right. it too too long. I think we're all, like all at I 2 hours now but
1: who really cares what the label is just know that he can do everything. No, work, I just I yeah. just wish people
0: said that and said, "Oh, he's not a good number yeah. two receiver." No, tell me why. What does he do? What can what, what can he run short routes? Can he crack block? Can he cut block? Can he can he run deep? Can he run post? Like but okay, let's move on. Top 3. We're getting to our top 3. Um mm-hmm. who is your third?
1: So uh, you had Quincy fourth also then.
0: Yeah, yeah, I had uh Anderson 6, Williamson five, Anunua, okay. four.
1: And I had Anderson and, and Williamson flip there. So number three, I have Tremaine Johnson. I think Tremaine Johnson is going to make a big impact on this defense. Now, look, we talked about this. He's not Darrell Revis or Daryl Green mm-hmm. or Deion Sanders or even like Jalen Ramsey or somebody like that. But what he is is a very good cornerback. And, and the funny thing about him is what I said to you when the Jets signed Tremaine Johnson is, I felt like Tremaine Johnson was the cornerback version of Kirk cousins. And what I mean by that is he's going to get paid the top two or three cornerback money, despite the fact that he's probably closer to 10, 11, 12, but that's okay because in the NFL cornerback is such an important position that if you can get the 10th, 11th, 12th best cornerback and you have to overpay, especially when you're the Jets and you have so much money, I'd rather you do that than spend a bunch of money on a couple of role players, right? And I think the big impact with Johnson and why I think he may be the most significant ad of all in the offseason, aside from Sam Darnold, who we're not including on this list, is because he changes a lot in that defense, right? Last year, you had Claiborne, who was miscast as a number one corner. So he had to cover these guys that a lot of times he was ill-suited to cover. Then the number two, it all rolled downhill. The number two guy was covered by somebody like Darryl Roberts or Justin Burris or even Buster Screen. None of those guys can cover anybody good, right? So then you also had May and Adams who now had to overcompensate for the fact that the corners weren't any good. And so they were out of position sometimes or they had to be over-aggressive, so on and so forth. You add Johnson in there now and look what happens. Tremaine Johnson is matched up against a number one-ish. You know, again, we were talking about the labels before, but just for the sake of explaining this, you have a a number one level. The number one threat. The
0: number one threat.
1: The number one threat on the opposing defense is now covered by a guy who's capable of covering him. Now, Claiborne can cover the guy who's the number two threat, and he's capable of doing that. Now, Adams and May, instead of having to be worrying all the time about Oh no, Claiborne might get beat by the guy that's better than him, or the other corner who stinks is definitely going to get beat. Now they can focus on being a little more loose and, and not having to worry about being. Yeah, super maybe
0: aggressive. maybe instead of yeah, may, well maybe instead of having to play deep, um, and worrying about it because you know if you don't play deep, they're gonna they're gonna beat you deep and then it's gonna be your sure. fault. Maybe instead of that, you could try to jump a post or or a dig, you yeah. know. So
1: yeah, so you don't you could necessarily not have to be over aggressive, but you there are times where you can. I don't want to say aggressive, but you can take chances. So it, get, it's op- it opens up possibilities there. And I think that he is going to ultimately be a big part of what makes this defense sink or swim this year because the Jets don't have an edge rusher. And this is why yeah. Darrell Revis in 09 and 2010 or whatever, he was, you could, you go back and you realize how special he was because the Jets had no real impact player there. And so these D-backs had to hold these guys for lengthy periods. Tremaine Johnson being back there should elevate the play of a lot of these other guys. And in fact, here's the other thing, the quarterback now instead of being able to find easy open wide receivers is going to have a little more trouble. So now guys like Bass might be able to come in or you might be able to flash Buster screen on a, on a blitz or yep. you know, maybe even God forbid, Darren Lee makes himself useful and they blitz him or something. <laughs> So I think if Johnson plays to the level which he's capable, it really does a lot for the defense. And now, Joe, you really went through the film. And one thing that we noticed that a lot of people don't talk about with Johnson is he doesn't get beat deep a lot. He doesn't. And that's a, that's an important thing for what Todd Bowles likes to do. Now, he has yeah. his strengths and his weaknesses and he has done injuries in the past, but he's generally been a fairly durable player. But like I said, I think that having him on this defense and quote unquote overpaying for him was an absolute necessity without the presence of an edge rusher, which they weren't able to add. Now we'll see if they're able to do that next season, but I was, yeah, right. Seriously. We've been praying for this for a decade. I've been, I was very happy about this signing. I still am and we'll see if he's able to live up to expectations, but he's the type (laughs) of corner that bowls really, really likes and I think this yeah. has the potential to be a very, very impactful move for the Jets.
0: Oh, definitely. It's it's one of the most impactful positions <clears throat> on an entire NFL team. So I agree with that. The play I just showed, and you wrapped it up, you, you said that pretty pretty well. Um, but he's a smart player in that play. I think he's just a cover too. And he he passes off the route that's coming into his zone to jump onto the flat. Really good run defender, as you, as you see here. I brought up another play la- last week getting around a block and making you know, a nice tackle on Dion Lewis here. Really good fluid hips, good footwork. He's strong, good acceleration. He's aggressive in the run game, good tackler, awareness, smart, ability to contest the ball in the air, pins the wide receiver. And like you said with the beat, the beat deep, um, <clears throat> I think he got beat, I would say, two, two or three times. I think two of those times the ball wasn't thrown. That's a really good percentage, not in terms of like, yeah. oh, Pro football focus. He was beat deep uh, on this pass. I actually watched the film and see how many times people got past him. The ball wasn't thrown that way, so I think it was only two or three times. I'll, I'll say three. Um, so he's really impressive there. betley like I said, Ben but don't break. Uh, weaknesses. Kind of. He's kind of like Claiborne with some of his weaknesses. Opening his hips too early to run vertically. Uh, give up the, the short passes too too soon. He doesn't read. He did, He doesn't take his read steps as much as I would like to see. Which a read step is basically if you're playing off. You read the quarterback's drop if the quarterback drops 3 steps you're going to drive onto the the route because you know it's a shorter route if it's a 5 to 7 step drop you get into your back pedal Read steps you kind of just back up slowly um, so he doesn't do that enough but I still think he's a really good player um and I'm I'm really excited to see to see what he does but he is actually um, my number 2 uh player on the on this team so I'm I'm like Oh said, wow, okay. Yeah, he's 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 number 2. So let's move on to uh to your number 2
1: Well, my number two, I'm guessing, is your number three, and it's Leonard Williams. I think Leonard Williams is a really good defensive lineman. Or I could be wrong. It's possible maybe Leonard Williams is your number one. I don't know. But Leonard Williams is, I think, a very good defensive lineman. But, again, it's kind of weird. You did an extensive film review on him, and I've kind of been saying this for a while. He – you expect more from him. Not that he's not very good. But you expect somebody that was drafted where he was, that had the hype that he did, to be
0: – Oh, what the hell? Oh, oh yeah, sorry, I was go just going
1: to ask who that was. but <laughs> Yeah, uh,
0: wrong to, player. You expect
1: that guy to be – I mean, for lack of, of of better term, I mean, look, he's not going to be necessarily J.J. Watt, but you expect him to be along the lines of what Muhammad Wilkerson was before he decided to retire early, right? <laughs> Muhammad Wilkerson or Sean Ellis, somebody like that, just the guy who is an all-around just monster who is capable of putting up ten to twelve sacks on a given year from the defensive line, a guy who is beating double teams. And he he didn't really beat double teams because people will say that always was facing double teams. Well, you know, I got news for you, Joe, and you know this from watching all the film the best players beat double teams elite players beat double teams and they do it on a reasonably regular basis yeah,
0: consistently. Cause like this, yeah. this play I'm bringing up, he does, he does beat the combo block. Uh, it's a backside combo block. Sure. Uh, garden, garden tackle. Um,
1: yeah. Which... And, I, and I'm not saying he didn't, didn't beat double teams at all. I'm saying he didn't beat them on a, a consistent basis. The elite players do that. And so again, I feel like Jet fans have overrated William. I mean, it's weird. Some have overrated and some have underrated because you have the – there's two factions. One faction just drives me nuts. It's like, well, I didn't have enough sacks, blah, blah, blah. Well, there's more to life than how many sacks a guy got. You got to look yeah. at the pressures. You got to see how often he was in the backfield and on and on. You know this. I, mean, I don't have to tell you, and I'm sure you're going to go into it in more <laughs> detail. However, he didn't, to me, have enough – impactful plays. I mean, big-time impactful plays where he wasn't he was the kind of guy that was going to keep the opposing offensive coordinator up at night going, oh, my God, how am I going to neutralize Leonard Williams? He was just, oh, Leonard Williams is pretty good. Maybe we'll double-team him and whatever. So that's why I have him as number two instead of number one. And, look, it's not impossible that he will jump up a little bit more but you've pointed out there are some times where his technique is still pretty poor for a guy that's yeah. played three years in the league. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I think this may be as, as good as he's going to get. Where he's just a very good player, but not great. But we'll see. But that well, so that's why I have him at number two.
0: I'm not going to give you my, my my ranking now because you know Tremaine Johnson's two. So we're going to talk about these next two players, and I'll I'll tell you after. Um, yeah. But on, like on this play, it's like it's consistency because he comes into his blocks right. high sometimes, but here he gets low. He splits the double team, and the good thing about this too is that's like a smart—it's a smart play because he 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 only gives number 70 here, the left tackle half of his body to to block. When you're turning in like that and you're not squaring up, you're not giving them both a, a you know a bigger base to block. So the the fact that he's splitting it like that, ducking his shoulder, in is, is really good. And then the power to drive through to get on the run, which is a tight zone. Um, <clears throat> so good plays like this, where he, sh- he shows that power, he shows that technique. But for me uh, personally, it's just, it's just too – he's too inconsistent with showing that, right. that technique. Uh, and I'm going to bring up a, another play too of uh, – here. Oh, this is – I remember this play. I can't, it's like hard to even explain uh, without seeing it. This is why you watch on YouTube. Turn on the Jets and subscribe to YouTube. Uh, this yes. is the same, same thing again here. This is good technique, but I'll, show, I'll probably show a play where he gets uh, – he doesn't get low enough, but here – Again, he knows a combo block's coming, which, like I said, backside guard and tackle is a George. And he gets – like, look how low he gets. Ali is blocking a little bit the view, but look how low his knee is to the ground right there. So he's getting really low. He's, he's giving the tackle nowhere to really block while he's handling the uh, left guard on the uh, inside zone split or the tight zone split. And he drops down, rips him down, so – he. There's there's the uh the the uh you know the jam that gets him back off balance the the uh the left guard and then he rips him down to the ground and then and get again just uh is fighting that you know the uh, tackle to to get in on the tackle but regardless he shows that technique sometimes but it's just not it's not consistent two no. sacks you don't want to see two sacks ever in a year from a guy who's going to be paid that much money forty seven tackles yeah. uh, down year but I think he's going to bounce back he's twenty four years um he's twenty four years old so. Uh, it's just, I, I, I don't know. But let's go to your number, number one player, I guess. Uh, yeah, now. I
1: mean, my number one player should be obvious by now because process of elimination, but it's Jamal Adams. And now, <laughs> listen again, the qualifiers here are, do I think that Jamal Adams was the best player on the Jets in 2017? No. Do yeah. I think he's necessarily even the best player on the Jets at this exact second? Probably not. However, do I think that by the end yeah. of 2018, there's a very strong chance that Jamal Adams will have been the best? Now, again, we Sam Darnold out of the equation for now. Do I think there's a very good chance that Jamal Adams is going to, at the end of 2018, be looked back at as the best player in his team? Yes. And that's yeah. why I have him at number one. If there was any guy on this team, again, not counting Darnold, who hasn't taken a stat yet, who I look at and somebody said to me, Give me a guy on this team that could be an all-pro. Again, not a pro bowler. Pro bowler is different than all-pro. All-pro is the cream of the crop. We're talking top three or four at the position. We're not talking about a guy who got voted in by the fans or whatever. If you said to me, like, all-pro, top of the heap, best in the league at his position, elite. Adams is the only guy on this list that I look at and think has that kind of potential. There are other guys that I think could go to a pro bowl. Do I think Tremaine Johnson could go to a Pro Bowl? Sure. Leonard Williams, why not? Even Robbie Anderson and Quincy Anunovic could go to a Pro Bowl. But all pro is a different ballgame. I think Jamal Adams is just so – man, when you look at it, his instincts. You can't – look, you take a guy like Taylor Mays, and I know we're going back a ways, but he was – Taylor Mays. USC.
0: Hey,
1: go look at Taylor Mays, and here, here's why I bring that up. Pete Carroll, when he took over as the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks, had the opportunity to pick a safety in the first round. He had the choice between his guy from USC, Taylor Mays, or Earl Thomas from Texas. Hook and horns, right? He took Earl Thomas. Why? Because Earl Thomas was a better football player. Now, Taylor Mays was a terrific athlete, had great straight line speed, so on and so forth. But what Pete Carroll understood – is that you need more than just being a great athlete to be a great football player. we talked about this over and over again. I mean, Vernon Golston is exhibit A, right? Jamal Adams has incredible instincts. Now, sometimes where he gets in trouble, we've talked about this, he gets a little too aggressive for his own good. He'll try and do some things where, you know, maybe he should have peeled it back a little bit. But let's remember, the best guys at most positions, and at safety you need to be this way, you've got to be able to have the right instincts and follow them. That's huge. That is what separates a guy like Troy Palamalu from whoever else. Right. Because Troy Palamalu will go, okay, I'm looking at the quarterback and I I'm looking at what the running backs about to do. I think that the running, he's going to target the running back. So he jumps the route or whatever, you know, stuff like that. Or he recognizes something in the coverage and he takes a chance in a gamble and the gamble pays off way more than it doesn't because he's got the right instincts. Adam's, if you look at his LSU tape and you look at a lot of what he did with the Jets in his best moments last year, there were a lot of those moments. He's a tremendous athlete. He comes from great stock too, which is a big part of the reason why I think that he has this innate football understanding. Now it's not always this way, but you're going to talk to Eric McMillan and one thing that Eric McMillan will tell you about is ask him about his all pro father. His father was an all pro offensive lineman. Eric McMillan grew up around the game he had an understanding and an appreciation of the game. And he was taught from an early age, you know, what to do, you know, kind of the things that we're talking about with film and all that he had great instincts and that was a big part of what made him such a great safety. That's why he was a two-time pro bowler. That's why he was a defensive rookie of the year. That's why he led the AFC in interceptions his first two seasons in the league. Right. And that's the kind of thing that could happen for Adams. Now people are saying, Oh, interceptions, interceptions again. Darrell Revis, how many interceptions did he have most seasons? He wasn't a guy that got a lot of interceptions because – 26. What, for his whole career?
0: <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's what he got a really season. I'm kidding. But. So I was
1: going to say that. wouldn't shock me if that was his entire career total. Guys didn't throw at him. But he had great coverage um, technique and skills and, and excellent instincts and so on and so forth. Uh, a perfect example that I'm reminded of is if you remember that 9-11 game on 2011 when uh, I was Rivas there. Was Yeah, so you know what I'm talking about, that play against Des Bryant where he knew exactly where Tony Romo was going to go with the ball. He jumped it, he grabbed the interception, and basically sealed the win, right? And it it led to the game-winning field goal. Yeah. Adams is like that. He's got just tremendous football instincts. Now, there are people that will yell about him barking, oh, he talks too much, and blah, blah, blah. Well, look, that's just his personality. He's a born leader on the field. He talks and talks and talks. Ultimately, we're going to see. If you're Darren Lee and you talk – Then it's a problem because people are going to target you and they're going to say, "Oh, you know, this guy is terrible," and and we're going to go after him. Whatever. If you talk and you produce, yeah, okay, no problem. So that's the way I look at it with Adams. I just think his his intangibles, his skills, his athletic ability. There's nobody else on this team that I think has that kind of upside and has the possibility to break out this year and just go from you know good to. I think he's the only guy on this team aside from Darnold who wasn't on this list that I think legitimately could become a great, not a good, not a very good, a great player. He's the only guy on this roster aside from the rookies that I think has the potential to be a great player. I don't know for sure that he's going to be a great player by the end of 2018, but I think he's going to probably be, if not great, very close to it. And by the end of 2018, I expect, that unless Sam Darnold does you know, something crazy and everybody's like, oh my God, this guy's already amazing. I expect that Jamal Adams will be looked at as the best player on this team at the end of 2018. And that's why he's number one on my list.
0: Yeah. So and you and you wrapped it up pretty pretty well there. Um, and like it's he's it's his rookie year. He's twenty two years old, so he does need to work on a few things. Um, sure. Just like like you know like on the line with man coverage, he's a little bit jumpy. He's a little bit too reactive to head fakes. Like I said, with that aggressiveness, uh, like that sluggo route uh, with Travis Kelsey. He once right. once when you're in man coverage, once you're done with your read steps your eyes are locked on that receiver unless you have fantastic position. Now, if I'm playing Scott and Scott's going down the right, the the sideline, I got both my hands on him. I'm on his hips. I have the best position possible. Then yeah, you can look inside, but when you don't have position, you have to keep your eyes on the tight end um, receiver, whatever it may be. So he's a little bit aggressive there. We try to jump some stuff. Um, but his athletic ability, his, his awareness and smarts are ready for his age is really, really uh, great. His fluidity with his hips, his burst. Uh, he needs to work on his tackling a little bit. But all around, he's, he's really good. I'm really excited to, to look at him a lot with uh, McMillan and see what he thinks about some of my opinions that I put up on, on film. I have like – like this is the 95th play. You could see. I, I think I, did, I recorded like 100 plays of Adams, So uh, I know a lot of his game. And like on this play, like even like little technique stuff, like um, with that T-step the t- the t- right there, it's really good because like kind of with a quarterback where you want the ball to go, you want to set your T step where you want to go. And his T step is, is pointed exactly where he wants to go. So he jumps it. Well, he has good um, athletic ability. He's a little bit too high in his back pedal here, I think for, for, for me. Um, But still, and maybe he should jump this as soon as Tom Brady starts to load up, like right, like right there, you start driving for it. So he drives a little bit late, but you see that athletic ability to, to, to close multiple yards and almost jump the ball. So, has great athletic ability. Really good in the run game in terms of recognizing, um, staying patient on the backside and things yeah. like that. Uh, aggressive. He'll he'll he, you could you could tell his um his he, he watches a lot of film. He will see certain sets, certain motions, and he'll he'll jump the uh, jump the play. So
1: and he calls out plays even in practice. I mean, and that's something that again you can't really teach that. Sometimes it's just instincts, and it's something that you're born with, it's an innate football understanding, and it's what separates That's, great players from the guys that are middle of the pack.
0: It's that, it's that, and it's also the the drive and the willingness to, to sit down and watch four to five hours yeah. of film a day. Oh, absolutely. So it's smarts and being you, – you can be smart, but you have to watch a shitload of film of course. to be able to do that as well. And like this player here, where I'm talking about like him jumping the backside. I don't know what he sees necessarily here, whether it's the splits of the offensive lineman, whatever it may be. But he knows he knows this is coming. He's aggressive on that backside. Like I said, this is just a chase down from the backside. He gets in on the tackle. They're just special plays you see him make that right. normal safeties do not make. Um, right. Like I said, technique wise, uh, being a little bit too aggressive maybe on some runs where he like, like I say, he's usually good on the backside. There's sometimes where he he will jump to the play side and let up a cutback. Um, but for the most part, he's just extremely solid in the run game. Really good as a, as uh, in coverage. Uh, needs to work on his technique. Like I said, with the uh, with man coverage, but overall I do think he's going to be the best player on the jets. Maybe not this year, but coming into 2019, I think you're talking about him, you know, as the, as the upcoming best jets uh, or jet on the roster. Hopefully it's Donald and he's number two, but still, um, but for that reason, kind of like where you put Chad Hansen in the list, but I didn't because of his potential and where you think he'll end up at the end of 2019. Jamal Adams was a number three. Um, he still needs to prove some things to me in man coverage. He still needs to prove some things in terms of being too aggressive. There's times to be aggressive. There's times not to be aggressive, and I don't think he understands that yet. But like I said, he's 22 years old. This is his first year in the NFL. Uh, I think he is an all-pro type of player. He just has to uh, show it to me this year. So that's why he's my number three. Um, as of right now, I think he had a good rookie year. I don't think it was great. Sure. I don't think it was outstanding. No. But he did flash the ability to be just flat-out amazing. You, you so, saw
1: what why people think he's going to be special. It wasn't consistent, but you saw it multiple times where you looked at it. And like you said, there were just certain plays where he just had an instinctive feel for what was going on. And you're right, man, watching all that film is a huge thing. I mean, even a guy like Peyton Manning, he wasn't Peyton Manning just by showing up on Sundays or throwing the ball around a little bit at practice. Peyton Manning was Peyton Manning because not only would he work with his teammates and all that stuff and lead them and, and figure out places where he was sitting there. He was watching film all tons and tons and tons and tons of film. And, and Adams is that kind of guy. And again, when you have Eric McMillan on talk to him to this day as a coach, he watches tons and tons of film. But when he was playing him and his, uh, one of his best buddies, James hasty, they were drafted together. They used to sit down and watch film. They would just study it, dissect it and understand what was going on. And there's a great story that he can tell you that he told me on play like a jet about things that he picked up on about Dan Marino watching a film of Dan Marino that maybe other guys didn't take the time to see, or maybe they didn't even have the advanced football intellect to see it when they watched the film. So that's the kind of thing you see from Adams. And I look, I, I don't think we were that far apart in the list overall and we certainly weren't that far apart. I mean, we flipped a couple of guys. I had Johnson 3, Leonard Williams 2, and Adams 1, and you had it a little bit different. You had Leonard Williams 1, Johnson 2, and, and Adams 3, but it's all very close together. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think all three of those guys are, are but, three yeah. like,
0: key pieces. At the same time, minus Sam Darnold, you're going to tell me to take one jet for the future, I'm taking Adams, even though it's yeah. not at, at, a, sure. at a really – um in, it's an impactful position. Uh, people overlook safety too much, but it's not it's not corner um no, no. and this is a good play to wrap it up and kind of like and this is actually a good rush by Leonard Williams too uh he gets his he gets his arms extended he works the bull rush and then he gets his hips even which if you're even with the offensive lineman, you're you're pretty much set and as soon as he's even he throws that that rip almost gets to to um to Smith here but he but Smith gets out of it and this is like just like the most like pure example of being too aggressive here where mm-hmm. where listen like he, yeah, he tried to jump the slug. So he got beat deep by Kelsey. Um, that's a, that takes a little bit more like knowledge to see He looks at the quarterback. But here, this, if you're the second guy to the ball, try to strip it. If you're the first guy to the ball, make the tackle. Um, and because he doesn't tackle him here, let's say at the 45-yard line, let's say 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, almost 30 yards because he tried to strip the ball instead of tackling him. So he's too aggressive at times. He needs to hone that in. I do agree with you. I think he's the only All-Pro type of player, maybe other than Leonard Williams, if he cleans up the technique and shows it more consistently. Um, but like I said, it, just that aggression, some of the technique things, and in, in man coverage especially, and and in tackling the ankle, the ankle tackling um, is, is too much of it. Uh, yeah, on, no, third, and, on third and on third and two, yeah. on third and two, instead of making the tackle behind the line of scrimmage, he ankle tackles a guy falls uh, for for a first down. So technique wise, aggression aggression wise, that's what he needs to work on. But everything sure. else. The, the athletic ability, the smarts, the awareness, um, just the drive to be great is all fantastic. But he is my number three. Leonard Williams is my number one. Um, wrapping this up, Scott, um, that's the last play. It was a good a good. Uh, I guess a good play to end it on. Is there any guys, just really quickly, we're not going to bring up any film uh, of them. Is there any guys who were off the list who you kind of just wanted to throw out like, oh, oh, crap, these guys were close, but I didn't put them in?
1: Yeah, there were a couple of guys. I really like Eric Tomlinson, for instance, because – yeah. He's a really good blocker, and I think he's improving as a wide receiver. I debated putting him at 25 instead of Darren Lee, but I, I went with Lee. He was <laughs> close. Uh, Wilcox is another one who you talked about. I like Wilcox. I debated having him in there, but he just missed the cut for me. Uh, yeah. Prior, obviously, we talked about him. I'm not a big fan of his, but I still did debate putting him toward the back end. And uh, Josh Martin I like. Uh, I didn't think he was necessarily good enough to make the top 25 because I don't think he's going to get enough playing time to really make a huge impact. But I do think that he could sneak, sneak in and get a couple of sacks. And I know that at this moment, he's the second guy on the depth chart at that other edge position opposite Jordan Jenkins uh, behind Bass. Uh, He's ahead of Malden and, and Donahue certainly who both of whom may or may not even make the team. So Those are some guys that kind of – oh, and the other one one that I thought about, but I didn't put him on just because – I mean, I hate to say this, but it's not an important enough position, was Lackland Edwards, who played very, very well last year.
0: Oh, That's actually true. He probably should have been 25, honestly. But, um, yeah, I guess Lackland Edwards, that's a good point. Um, Another guy who just missed it for me. I like Minter's game more than some others do. Sure. Um, I I think Elijah McGuire is going to be a a solid running back. I actually do like him. Uh, Chad Hansen just missed – Lee just missed Tomlinson just missed like you said um but that's that's it uh for for us uh if by the way
1: Mentor when shock me and all Joe if at some point he takes Lee's job
0: yeah I said I said that earlier uh maybe not on this show but I, I agree with you there um and now for like the film reviews like Listen, um, if you do want to go to my Twitter, I did a film. I have film reviews on, like, everybody. Lee, Leonard Williams, Avery Williamson, Trumaine Johnson, Jamal Adams, Quincy Nguyen, Robbie Anderson, Jordan Jenkins, Spencer Long, Brandon Shell. a whole bunch of players. And, like, for example, like, one of the, like, if you really want to learn about the players, if you don't want to watch the the uh, the uh actual film reviews, and I'm just going to, like, read, like, how like, there's detail. Um, Strengths, just for Leonard Williams. Agility for his size, strength in general, array of pass rush moves, double swipe, swipe, rip, swim, spin, bull, bull jerk, hump, bull fork, good bend around corners, good at hand fighting, gives 100% effort. When he penetrates harbor, this his first step, it's quick and very difficult for a single blocker to stand him up. Second half of the season was getting low, extending arms, getting linear, would extend or would stand up every single offensive or every single lineman he took on. Active hands, great lateral agility, makes a ton of plays from the backside of runs because he quickly penetrates the line of scrimmage, giving the offensive lineman a small and effective area to block. Good at setting offensive linemen up at the line of scrimmage. Good at getting skinny. Length, attitude, when he does anchor properly versus combo blocks, he is very effective. Will use the offensive lineman's momentum against him frequently. And I put great hair. Um... So if you do like, and I can't get go over that much detail because my my film reviews sometimes are like fifty to seventy plays. I don't have time to do a seven hour show about a film review. So if you want to go to dot com to Twitter to watch it for yourself and look at the strengths and weaknesses, at least just to see a general overview of what I think of them, then then go do it. I highly recommend it if you do want to learn more at, at JoeRB thirty one. So enjoy.
1: and Joe, can I add a little something to that before we we sign off? I just want to say this. I think that the big value that you provide is that you allow people to see the game in a way that they aren't able to when they're watching live. It's just impossible to do it. And if you're somebody who wasn't a coach or a player at a high level or somebody that really took the time to learn a lot about film, which is most people, you're not going to really, even when you watch the, the tape uh, or, or highlights on YouTube or whatever, you're not gonna really understand what you're seeing. And look, we know this, there are a ton of these guys. It's a cottage industry. They'll post some play on Twitter or something, or Instagram, and it's just like, oh, look, here's this guy getting open. Okay, why'd he get open? How did he get yeah. open? What was it that he did, on and on. What you bring to the table, and again, I'm not just saying this because we're on the same network and because you and I are friends, I'm saying this because legitimately I've learned a lot from looking at your film reviews and from having conversations with you. Uh, I, uh, you know, we've had long conversations longer than this podcast about different (laughs) things with the jets, looking at different film and stuff. And I'll tell you one guy you really opened my eyes on was Carpenter because not that I thought he was great, but I didn't think he was anywhere near as bad as he really was until I started looking at your film reviews and I was like, wow, now that I can look at the plays back, because when I'm watching it live, I can't really tell what the guard on the left side or the right side is doing. You can really see he was horrible last year, really, really bad. And so when you look at stuff like that, you can really enhance your understanding of it. And look, the bottom line to me is no one else is doing that. You can go and get people's opinions, and it's all fun. Look, we all do it. I love getting other people's opinions and mixing it up and having discussions. We have tons of content on our site. But Joe is the only one out there that is doing this kind of stuff, that's providing you with the opportunity to really learn this stuff at a high level, the type of stuff that you only learn being in an actual film room that's really where you can see this stuff because even the stuff on Twitter, it's mostly again, look at this guy. He got open. Okay, great. Terrific. (laughs) But what you do is you break it down using the terminology and also pointing out little things. And, and, and like you said, the, the overall strengths and the weaknesses and the way that you really can see a player for what he truly is, as opposed to what, some guy at pff tells you he is and there's nothing wrong with pff i like pff it's a nice tool but you can't just rely on what some writer says to form an opinion and so what you do is yeah you have your own opinion but you lay all the information out there and say here's the information check it out for yourself i may be wrong maybe i am maybe i'm not here's the film it doesn't lie go ahead and take a look and you explain exactly the significance of what happens on that film. And so I think that yeah. moving forward, this podcast and the video show are going to be such a great tool for Jets fans to really learn about the team that they love. If you love the team, why wouldn't you want to really learn about the players on the team, the different schemes, the different plays, the strengths and the weaknesses? This is one of the only podcasts or videocasts that you can really do that with. So if you haven't subscribed, even if you're watching now and you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, do it right now. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Go ahead and subscribe on iTunes to the podcast. Make sure that you follow Joe on Twitter at JoeRB31. Make sure you look at his full film reviews at turnonthejets.com. He's the only one doing this stuff. And if you're not going to the site to see it, If you're not watching the video of it here on the video cast, if you're not listening to the descriptions on the podcast, if you're not following what Joe is doing on Twitter, you are truly missing out. And I'm saying all of this from my heart, this is not some sort of pre-planned pitch or something. This is all legit. These are my legitimate thoughts on this. And so go ahead and do all those things. And trust me, you'll thank me later. If you're not subscribed, and if you're not following and all that, do it now. And then you can send me a tweet at Play Like a Jet One. And Scott, thank you so much. It was the greatest <laughs> gift you ever gave me. I can't tell you how much I love watching Joe for three hours to break up my crappy work week. And my boss comes by and I, I minimize the screen for a few minutes so he doesn't know what I'm looking at. And I put up a TPS report. And then I go right back to watching Joe break down uh, Avery Williamson. So,
0: kind of kind of like like porn you're not watching porn at work but you're watching you're watching you're watching uh you know film which is like my point right. so but no no so and I, I really appreciate that obviously um I did not pay Scott you know <laughs> I think but I even though I did you know Venmo you 40 bucks for that but uh no I, yeah I really appreciate that and that's like I said what we're gonna try to do on this show okay you know prior one on a slant so it's a good play, but what was bad about the play? Did he flip his hips? How was his plant? Was his, was he high coming into the route? Was he high coming off the line of scrimmage? What you what what technique did he use coming off the line of scrimmage? Did he use a crossover or hesitation or a stab or a hop step? Like we're gonna try to show you those things. I'm I'm really looking forward to just getting more and more into it. Um, instead of a lot of people on Twitter post a play, good play. Yeah, oh, thanks, man. Appreciate that. Um, or a lot of shows, like a lot of other podcasts, even. Not even Jets podcast, but this player is good. Crickets. Okay. Sweet. Thanks, man. Right. <laughs> but, and, and, uh, th- we fit into a certain niche, and you'll be on the podcast. I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'm sure a ton. Um, I don't really have a co host. We'll figure out that situation. I might just do it solo with a bunch mm-hmm. of different guests, like Eric McMillan, Mark Schofield, uh, you, and Marcus Coleman. But it's a niche. I'm hoping people enjoy it. Like, like I said, there, obviously, it takes a lot of work to watch all this film and break down the players. There's days where I really don't want to sit there and watch an entire game of Brandon Shell, <laughs> but I do it anyway um, for the podcast. Does it for the, so you don't have to for right. the film review. Um, so, like I said, if you can just take five minutes, just takes five minutes. Go onto either YouTube and subscribe. We'll, we'll do all of it. Go to YouTube, subscribe. Mm-hmm. Go wherever. Tell your family whatever if they want to learn more about football. And then go to a podcast. I'm telling you, if you go to the podcast app, you subscribe, you give us a five-star rating, and then you write a little review. If it's a sentence, yeah, I really like the show. It's awesome. That helps us get out to more people. That potentially gives us ad revenues, all this stuff. We can improve it. I can get better audio quality. I can start making more videos. Eventually, sure. if it ever did turn into something with like a career, I could do freaking five podcasts a week and 10,000 breakdowns. Whoa. So, and that's the,
1: other, that's the other thing, Joe.
0: We're yeah. going to have, as
1: time goes on, exclusive YouTube-only content that you're yeah. going to be doing, whether it's Q&As or little mini film reviews of, you know, five, ten-minute clips of certain plays. So if you're not subscribed to the YouTube yet, go ahead and do it because even if you prefer to listen on audio, you're going to want the ability to get those, uh, those alerts when Joe puts out a new video, because it may be something that's not the podcast, it's bonus material that yeah. you can only get on YouTube. And you want to subscribe to the audio too, because look, you may be driving or going for a run outside. In fact, I'll, I'll say this right now a lot of times, Joe, I listen back to the show uh, when I'm driving or when I'm out for a run outside. So it's perfect for that. But the video is really the key to making the experience the best it can be yeah, So even and you listen to, yeah and even if you listen to it you can still go back and watch later there's nothing that says you can't so you can do both um ultimately that's the beauty of what we're building at toj digital too i think is that yeah joe's podcast and video cast is something completely different than what anybody else is doing and it's something completely different than what anyone else on our own site is doing what i'm doing with the history show play like a jet going back looking at the biggest moments in Jets history.
0: Yeah, and I recommend it. And just for Scott, too, in, in terms of him, I think he's the best speaker where I've never heard him stutter, which is kind of <laughs> crazy. Um, and there's no there's no show on any other side doing anything like he's doing where you're going back in Jets history with a player to specifically talk about games and thoughts and thoughts of different players and coaches and, and moments in the game. So Scott, he does a really good podcast here. And I recommended Scott to my – you know, to actually Kyle – um, before we even became you know, friends and uh, we're on Turn on the Jets together. So I, I, I will truly take a step forward and say Scott's work is fantastic too. So Play Like a Jet one on Twitter and on the podcast. You do a whole bunch of different things. Like I said, the anchor. So um, you got to <laughs> yeah. listen to Scott too. You definitely do.
1: Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, we, what we do is – it's look, you're trying to show people – what it's like to be in a film room and really have to try and figure out how to understand this stuff on a a high level, understand the whys, the hows, the little things that these players are seeing and reacting to. What I'm doing is I'm trying to show you the story through the eyes of the players that were there. I could go ahead and I can read you the newspaper. You can go back and you can read an interview, but I'm trying to get you those little stories. And like I said, Eric McMillan, He's a guy that loves to, t- to tell stories and he remembers things super clearly. You're going to have a lot of fun with them. Marcus Coleman, same thing. When he was on, when we talked about the Monday Night Miracle, same deal. So these are all shows on Turn on the Jets digital that are completely different. Even the Jet take, I know we tease Ben and Kyle a lot, but the beauty of that show is that people can call in and interact themselves because with you, Joe, the film is so heavy and it requires so much uh, explanation that it's not really a venue for a call show. Same yeah, it's not going to be. Right? Yeah, it can't be. Mine, same thing, because we're a guest-intensive show. It doesn't really fit for a call-in. The Jet Take fits for calling. So if you want to participate and really be a part of Turn of the Jets digitally yourself, then you can call into the Jet Take on Wednesdays. And Joe Caporosil obviously has the Turn of the Jets podcast, which is the flagship. And what he does is he has – got the venue where you can call up yourself with the Jet take. You've got me giving you the history. You've got Joe with your current newsmakers that are coming on to talk about all the key issues with the Jets. So there's so many different. And then Michael Mania is coming aboard. He's already started these little previews. And we did the one uh, preview podcast with the Bills. But he's going to give you every single thing you want to know about who the Jets are playing. So remember, Joe, it's hard enough to really understand your own team. But now, Michael Nanny will give you, in the course of a half hour to an hour, everything you want to know that you so that when you watch the Jets and the Bills, you know exactly what to watch for, exactly what the Bills are going to try to do, so on and so forth. So just so much cool stuff. And Joe, I'm really glad that you're that you're a part of us with, uh, with Turn the Jets Digital. And I'm really looking forward to seeing the show grow. We're going to get this YouTube channel way up through the sky. We're going to get the itunes subscriptions through the sky and if you're not already subscribed to both of them go do it now you're completely missing out
0: yeah really appreciate that like i said we are building something at turn on the jets um a lot of different niches i I really enjoy being a part of it um a lot of drive to do better too we're not complacent we're gonna try to get better like i said if if i do get those ratings i get out to more people i get a backdrop instead of a freaking whatever this is it's take a yoga mat that I had to put up to block the light in the background. So maybe I had a backdrop, maybe I get better video, maybe get better audio. So maybe get a, a app like, you know, so, um, we appreciate everybody for listening. Like I said, we can do time. a
1: lot of extras. You can spend time doing yeah. you know, 15, 20 minute YouTube bonus videos.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So they like said subscribe, rate review. We really appreciate it. Go to check out Scott to play like a jet one Joe Caproso, the jet take follow those guys. Um, and we will see you next week. Next week, we're going to have – this is, that's going to be an extensive film room show with Mark Schofield breaking down just the three quarterbacks. probably going to take like two hours to do three players, which is really, really diving deep into the film, <laughs> where this was more of a, a fun show, a little bit of film. There's there's going to be episodes like next week where it's a lot of film. The week after that, you know, after Schofield, who wrote a book on quarterbacks and, and drives and things like that, really freaking smart guy from inside the pylon, we're not going to lay off. We're going to bring in Eric McMillan. Two-time or two-time Pro Bowl defensive rookie of the year. After that, arena layoff. Now, not really. We're gonna bring in Marcus Coleman, who played for the Jets as well, to break down tight ends and receivers. So we got some stuff coming for you. Trust me. We appreciate you for listening. We will be back, or at least I'll be back. Maybe not Scott uh, next week. So thank you for listening.